0: hello everyone welcome to kill the cast my name is jerry and joining me as always is the ever quotable jay no no quotes for horror coliseum i feel like we're just going to keep doing this this roundabout here jay well i'll tell you what when we get out of the Freddy versus jason i'll start finding quotes to mix together hey don't change what's broken anyway and the <laughs> silent hill biker kenneth
1: hi just uh, pay no attention to the to the random sniffling and shit there's just nothing i can do about it
0: i mean you could stop doing cocaine why cuz you're not fucking swank hill you're not over there with your cocaine and cocaine accessories
1: so <laughs> and
0: joining us uh my fellow co-host from the underwater kaiju from outer space and uh he's on like 17 other podcasts we have Jerry Cortez aka Mr. Venom Venom how you doing? Damn good.
2: How you guys doing? Hope everybody's doing well. Very excited to talk about these movies. Well, excited to talk about one of them anyway.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh so yeah, so uh obviously it's Horror Coliseum Freddy versus Jason Round 6 and today we have Jason Lives versus Freddy's Dead. So- <laughs>
3: That's fantastic. It really I didn't is. Together until you
1: made that joke just now. <laughs> I just never thought about it until right this second.
2: <laughs> I, they're kind of speaking as to like um, how lively the franchise is. This is, you know, because this is only halfway through Friday the 13th, but this is pretty much the end for Freddy. So the titles kind of are. Yeah, this
0: is the end of, of the original Freddy run, because after this we get into a, a, a whole different Freddy universe. Mm -hmm. and then we get another freddy universe and then we get nothing it's it'll be great i can't wait for the nothing part i can't wait to do (laughs) the
1: next show because the next show are my two favorites oh snap well nice
0: with that being said before we kick this off uh jerry uh which is me you're not jerry you're you're fucking (laughs) venom man we haven't done underwater kaiju in a while i'm getting sloppy it's been a bit (laughs) uh yeah well me and you need to stay out of hospitals
1: Yes, yes, very uh, much
0: so. bad, uh, That. stop it. it. With that being said, uh, Jerry, which is me, goddammit, I did it again, fuck it. Venom, I am actually going to let you, the guest, start us off. In all seriousness, I'm not even going to joke this time. Oh shit. So, Uh-oh. we're jumping right in to Jason Lives, and we're going into story. Go ahead, Mr. Venom.
2: Um, story, I gave this one a six out of 10. Um, this isn't, this isn't by far like my favorite Friday the 13th storyline by any stretch. It's one of the better ones in the second half of the, you know, the zombie Jason, um, era, if you will. Um, but yeah, gave it a six out of 10. It's above average, but it definitely doesn't, it's not a classic storyline to me for the franchise by any stretch.
1: All right. We move on to Kenneth. I gave it an eight. And the reason why I gave it an eight is because it is a further exploration of Tommy Jarvis. And this one is, I think it goes a little bit further on his character. I like the fact that it brought him back. I mean, this is, you know, the third one, uh, for his run. You know what I'm saying? Cause he, you know, four, five and six, just straight Tommy Jarvis and all, and all three of them. So I like the, I like the further exploration. I like the way the story went. I like the way that he came back. I like the weaving of the, uh, the 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 magical black magic kind of aspect of it of how he's trying to kill jason and stuff like that even though i think the end of it was kind of weak but uh overall i gave it an eight i like the story of this i like how they where they went with it
3: all right jay Uh, i gave it a seven i enjoyed the story overall um i think that if tommy had just fucking left jason alone that he wouldn't be back and it's all tommy's fault (laughs) Like, come on now. Uh, God, but like overall breed
0: all over.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. Seriously though. <laughs> like, if you had just like you had to stab him because you're crazy, that's 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 later.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but think it. about it. I mean, what better way to bring him back than the kid that killed him? It's just yeah, like how shitty true. would how shitty would you feel? I killed this motherfucker. I saved my sister from this motherfucker well, and then I brought him back to kill more people. I, I mean, mean damn. But
0: there's other they could have had a dog <laughs> piss on him or something. That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh if I had god! This yeah. fire would have worked <laughs> great.
3: Uh, but yeah, I gave it a seven. Not 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 too crazy. Uh, not amazing. Not bad. Just right. Uh, nice and
0: and good. <laughs> so uh, based off these scores, uh, I think I'm going to come in a lot higher than everybody throughout this whole yeah. thing. Wow. Uh, because you know off what? Forehead? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh so much i mean i'm waiting for you to go bald so i can hit a five head it ain't um, gonna happen brother <laughs> oh it will <laughs> I, no uh so okay i'll do the doll hair thing god damn it <laughs> <laughs> well that's good because i'll start paying you in doll hairs you can go ahead and start building the wig Okay. Uh, well. so watching it this time it kind of uh it kind of blew me away i gave the story a nine i think it has one of the best stories in the series because of how well the continuation of Tommy's story from part four works here. Um, like, yeah, does it exactly feel like the same little boy? No, not exactly. But would that boy really stay the way he is after all of that shit happening? No, no he's not. He's not going to continue to build monster mask and shit like that. He legitimately killed a monster. So he now his life is consumed... By this, so he what is he gonna do? He's gonna put on his best looking jacket and he's gonna and, go set fire to a corpse like any normal uh survival of a serial killer would do. <laughs> uh, it's completely normal. Uh, and and the story to me honestly feels epic, it feels like a big giant revenge flick. My only problem is while this movie has everything that a Friday the 13th movie should have except for nudity. It almost doesn't have the feel of a Friday movie to me. It, it honestly should be called Friday the 13th, Tommy's Back. Guess who's back? Tommy's Back. <laughs> because the entire movie is basically just Tommy. I mean, it's got the camp, it's got the counselors. For the first time ever, it actually has kids in the camp, which is fucking weird. Uh, it has a, fine, a somewhat of a final girl and her lover. I guess it should be final boy and his lover. Yeah, uh, final pair. I, yeah, it's got the sheriff. It's got uh, an old dude who says weird shit straight to the camera. It's got everything a Friday the 13th movie should. But the reason it's not that ten is because there's something here that does not make it feel like a Jason movie. I just can't quite figure out what it is. But I think it's because of the focus being so much on Tommy. But for me, the story is actually extremely epic and a fantastic continuation from a uh, previous film in the franchise. Whew, okay. Uh, character development. Uh, Venom, oh. go ahead.
2: Um, this one, I, I I also gave this one a 6 out of 10. Um, the, only because there are certain characters, like Tommy Jarvis and the sheriff, that I really, really enjoyed. But then there's characters in the movie that I, I just really can't stand, and that would be uh, the sheriff's daughter, just takes me out of the movie almost every time she opens her mouth. Just some of her interactions with Tommy, with her father, with the deputy, just don't come off as realistic. Don't you know? They're not organic by any stretch. She's way too sassy for her own good. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, if I'm gonna go since there, I mean, like I said, there's characters that I love and characters that I dislike. So if I'm gonna average it out, um, uh, I'm gonna go ahead with a six out of ten. All right,
0: Kenneth.
1: I gave it a seven. And I really, the biggest reason why I gave it a seven, because I probably would have went a little weaker than this, but I gave it a seven for the exploration of Tommy. That was the way that I, I because, you know, we have we already know Tommy's backstory, but this is like, you know, like Jerry was saying when he was talking about the story, this is the evolution of the character. Because Jerry's right. This is basically a Tommy movie with Jason in it. You and, don't have to, you don't have to tell Jason the audience
0: I'm right. They, are, they just know I'm right, Kenneth.
1: But yeah. <laughs> But I mean, but, you know, going back into it, that's the, that's the main reason why I gave it a seven because all the other characters, I mean, the cool thing about this movie that I, that I enjoy is that you don't get your typical slasher characters in this. You don't have your guy. That's the jock. You don't have the girl. That's the smart girl. You know, you don't have any of those people in this. The the closest thing that comes to a stereotype (laughs) is court.
0: You know, you know what I thought about? (laughs) You're right. But they have characters that at least dress like that. Like, Court kind of dresses like a jock with the mid like shirt. The one chick who looks like uh, Alice from Friday the 13th Part 4 and 5, she dresses like the smart one. But they never show any of that. Like, they're like, just look like it. It'll be okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, see, I didn't even get that from that, because if you look at the if you look at the girl that, you, you know, you would classify the smart girl, you look at her outfit when uh, when uh, uh, the blonde haired chick, the the main one, the sheriff's daughter, when she's out there doing that thing where she's like, are we going to when she's talking to all the kids when the kids are there? <laughs> if you look at the two girls of oh, Sissy and the other one, Sissy's the black girl, if you look at the two girls when they're back there, she doesn't look as as girl next door homebody as she does later on in the movie. Fair enough. True. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like I said, the only one that really kind of starts to fall into the stereotype, and me personally, I don't think he falls into the jock stereotype. I think he falls more into the stoner ter- stereotype. Is Court? All the rest of them, they really don't have that. You know, uh, like, like um, what's what's her name? Megan. Like Megan seems like she wants to be that cheerle—that hot cheerleader kind of kind of thing, but she's not all the way around to dits you know and and then the sassy part of her i i personally in my opinion i think it adds to the character a little bit because you you know cuz at first you don't realize you're kind of you're kind of sitting on the edge of whether this girl is in the teenage years or not but then when she starts getting that sass and stuff like that to me it makes her seem like she's a little bit older but the way that uh, the sheriff is acting Makes her seem a little bit younger. So I think it's kind of got like a constant dynamic of back and forth with her until she, you know, sticks her tongue in Tommy's mouth. So I don't know. It was just, just the face thing. In her crotch. Yeah, that too, which, <laughs> which is awesome. But, you know, I mean, it's just the dynamic of the character. So I gave it a seven. But at the same time, you know, I got my things that I think are cool. But the characters were not really fleshed out to me either. So it, was, I, I really, really was kind of on the fence with that score. But I just, I decided to go ahead and go with the classic hand job. <laughs> okay, Jay. Uh,
3: I also gave it a seven, mostly for Tommy, uh, kind of to echo what Kenneth was saying. I don't really feel like anybody particularly was really flushed out as far as what's initially presented like you get introduced to him and then that's kind of it um tommy's the only one that uh that we get more information on it's because we've known him for two previous movies um so yeah i'm kind of just in the same place kenneth is at
0: all right well i gave it an eight uh obviously what they said about tommy but i want to point out something that i don't think gets seen a lot and that's the sheriff and the town he represents Uh, I think there's a lot of character development in the sheriff and the town uh, that they are in. Uh, And I know it's weird to to talk about character development of a town. But I think it's it's manifested in the sheriff and how he talks about it, how he represents, hey, to the adult, we all know about it. And we want to keep it secret. It's a myth. So when the kids bring it up, oh, it's a myth. It's not really true, which is weird because if the kids are smart enough, they could literally just go look it up. Uh, at their local library. Um, Or just take a
1: stroll through the cemetery.
0: Or just take a stroll through the cemetery. uh, Because there is a grave, obviously. We see it in the movie. Uh, But the development of what the town has become after the incident of the first Four Friday the 13th movies and what it does to try to get past it. There's a development of the story and it's all done through dialogue that the sheriff says. And I think it develops... Uh, the the sheriff and the town very very well and it's something I never hear people talk about when it comes to this movie so I give it an eight even though it might be slightly uh either cheating or just out of the ordinary to say that obviously it gets the you know six or seven points just based off Tommy but I, I wanted to give it that extra point based off the sheriff and the town and how it changed the entire uh uh, history of Jason, bringing it into more of a reality. Of course, then you know we have a zombie. So uh, <laughs> we now go into pacing and editing, Mr. Venom. Go ahead.
2: All right, for pacing and editing. I gave it a seven out of 10. Uh, I understand that the second act on this movie is maybe a little bit slower than most Friday fans are used to, but the third act in my opinion completely makes up for any lack in the first and second. Um, Once they get to the camp and you know, they're basically having their final showdown with, you know, all the main players and Jason, I absolutely love that, that entire last 20 minutes of the movie. And even on the rewatch this time i actually had forgotten how much i love that third act so yeah pacing and editing 7 out of 10 for me as far as pacing goes i have no problem with it editing uh, nothing nothing really special uh, for editing i mean it's not like they were doing any parallel editing or anything too um you know advanced so yeah 7
0: out of 10 all right kenneth
1: uh sam classic hand job I gave it a seven. I mean, there were a couple of spots, you know, uh, like Venom was talking, where at the beginning, you know, it kind of lags up a little bit, and then it really takes off at the end. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much going to mirror what he said, and I'm going to go with the seven. All right, Jay. Uh,
3: same. I don't even know if I need to add anything. Um, it felt fine, you know, just about average minus the little little dip. Uh, so, yeah, same, same thing as them.
0: Alright, uh, I I give it an 8. Uh, the movie the movie moves pretty steadily, and it gives us Jason Kills throughout, uh, so I really don't have any complaints about any of that, and like they said, the last 20 minutes is amazing and even better because it drops all the fucking stupid comedy.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: so, Atmosphere, go ahead, Venom.
2: Let's see. Atmosphere, I give this an 8 out of 10. I am a huge fan of the summer camp scenario. Obviously, being a Friday the 13th fan, which I probably haven't actually mentioned yet, that I am more um, a Friday guy than a, than a, what do you call it, a Freddy or a Michael or anybody else. Uh, Friday the 13th being my favorite franchise. So with that out of the way, um, I love The Return, of course to the main man after the disappointment. And when I say the disappointment of part five, I'm not talking about the quality of the film so much as just the fact that our boy wasn't in the film anyway.
0: But our boy um, Roy
2: was. Yeah. Our, well, your boy, Roy, he ain't my boy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't get kicked off this show. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time. Yes, it, anyway. would. it would literally well, be your show, first anyway. <laughs> For this show maybe <laughs> anyway um yeah i totally love this atmosphere absolutely love the summer camp i love the setup of this particular camp um with the with the cabins far enough away from the water that there's you know a good amount of uh chase distance if you will um absolutely love the chase between um jason and the sheriff just totally loved it despite me having a few problems with Jason during that particular scene, which I'll get into when we get to the monster killer uh, category. But yeah, I am totally on board for this atmosphere. I I'm not a big fan of the cemetery that was used in this movie. And I don't know why, like I can't even put into words why I don't really like this cemetery, but it just, it felt like really, really wide open and not, scary or menacing at all as opposed to let's say the cemetery in return of the living dead which i also just watched that cemetery is creepy as shit
0: aka it was more of a real realistic cemetery and not a like hollywood cemetery
2: not a set yeah i'll go with that so (laughs) um yeah you know atmosphere i'm high on this one eight out of ten all right kenneth
1: um Same thing, the atmosphere, I gave it an 8. I want to say something real quick uh, before I get into why I gave it an 8. You brought up the cemetery for Return of the Living Dead and the differences. Now, in the second Return of the Living Dead, this cemetery actually reminds me of the cemetery in that one.
0: Hmm. I haven't seen that one in a while, but, yeah, you might be right. Is it because yeah, you it, think about Tom Matthews taking off his jacket in both of those cemeteries?
1: No, actually, oh. I think about I, <laughs> I think about the fact of just the, the, the whips and the turns and stuff like oh, that. I, that are really, I think like, of the
0: whips <laughs> Oh, and how it turns me.
1: The, but the reason why I gave this an eight is because, I don't know if any of y'all noticed, but when you're watching this movie, for the most part, except for when – Tommy's running through the cemetery looking for and the sheriff's chasing after him. The whole movie has got that gray, gloomy, overcast look. Yeah, the, the whole movie. and I And I really, really like that. And it's not one of those like deep gray gloomies like the ring or something like that. It looks natural. It looks natural and washed out. You know, like the same way. If if you know, with uh, all, as a matter of fact, I don't know where you live, Venom, but you know, me, Jerry, and Jay, all three of us. You know, it's been raining like hell down here, and you know, uh, Jay lives in one of the wettest places up there. So <laughs> it's not because <laughs> of the rain. Yeah, right. But you know, uh, when you walk outside, it's got that look, especially down here in Georgia, and that's where this movie was filmed, and and the whole movie has that. But if you go, if you look even closer. None of the characters are ever wearing anything bright and colorful. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah. None of them, even Sissy with her with her jersey on and stuff like that. Nothing is bright and colorful. Cord's clothes are 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 kind of uh, the white and gray tones, washed out. Um, uh, the only th- the most bright and colorful thing in the in the movie is her is Megan's car. <laughs> That's it. Everything else has that washed out look to it and so i really really like that because it gives a natural doom and gloom kind of look to it i really really like that so that's the reason why i gave it an eight i really enjoyed how they you know how they thought about it and knowing what i know about the director of the movie you know uh I, i imagine that he did it on purpose to kind of give it that whole old school frankenstein kind of feel to it without being literally in black and white
0: Mm-hmm. fair enough jay uh how do i even like follow something like that <laughs> uh, you <laughs> say by how you know the director he's sexually yeah. attracted to avocados <laughs> oh
3: man finally someone that shares my kink um <laughs> I, <laughs> I gave atmosphere a seven i felt there were parts that were really good um but some other parts uh not so much that kind of took you out of it um but otherwise it was pretty good. I do agree about the cemetery. It definitely looks like a set. Like I know that they're on sets in the entire movie, but this looks like, like if someone were to film a stage play, kind of like everything looked like a prop in that. Um, Also shame on the city for not keeping the bars up where Tommy Jarvis could just rip one off. No problem.
0: That's <laughs> some sh- shady craftsmanship. Uh, but overall, it's pretty good. So I gave it a seven. Well, you know, if the politicians of where the fuck this takes place, uh, because they spent more Force money Green. renaming it than fixing the damn cemetery gates, we wouldn't have this problem. But no, let's <laughs> rename shit because it's cool. Fucking terrible politicians. Uh, anyway, I'm actually with Jay. I give this a seven uh, because. For me, all the comedy in this movie really takes me out of the film. It, it breaks any atmosphere that builds. And it's, and I don't mind comedy in my horror movies, but I like when it's character-based commentary in the movie and not the director pointing his finger right at you saying, "Haha, did you get my joke? Did you see the, the smiley face? How fucking funny is that? That's not funny. It's not. Well, it What's funny, funny when... is Jason holding the arm afterwards. Yes. That was funny. But you having to directly point at me to go look at this funny joke does not work and he does it all through this fucking movie and it's my biggest complaint about the movie make your comedy natural you're not Deadpool. quit trying to break the fourth wall (laughs) it does not work for me i understand he was throwing in some satire and shit like that um but it just falls flat for me i really don't like it like even a lot of the jokes that people make, like there's really good ones. Like when the chick says, I've seen enough horror movies to know that if a guy's wearing a mask, you get the fuck out of here. Fantastic. Uh, I did when, like that. Yeah. When, when Tommy has his face uh, buried deep into Megan's lap and she goes, whoa, watch out. It's going to be a hairy turn. No, just, just no. Get the fuck out of here. Go sit in <laughs> yeah. the corner and I'm chill sorry. the fuck out.
1: One of my favorites, though, is the old man, man. When the old man is just like, when he looks at the bottle and he's like, you're going to be the death of me.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) And then then he dies. Yeah. shoves it in his throat. Oh, my God. That was great. That is good. I like that. When the old guy looks in the camera and says, you think I'm an old fart? And then it jump cuts to a bunch of children laughing. No. Absolutely not. Get the fuck out of here.
1: By the way, the name of the cemetery is Old Madison Cemetery in Madison, Georgia.
0: Good. Sounds like you should go visit it.
1: I uh, think I'm going to.
0: Dope. Uh, and so, But the thing that really does work is the last 20 minutes of the film keeps that atmosphere heavy, and it is oh, yeah. awesome. Uh, so with that being said, we now move into scenery and set design. Go ahead, Venom
2: um okay scenery set design um i gave this one an 8 out of 10 which might be contradictory to what i just said about the cemetery But part of the reason that I added I gave it an extra point was because the final scene in the lake is actually shot in three different locations. And I thought that they did a pretty decent job of editing that together so that it looks like it was all done in one place. So I gave them, I basically gave them an extra point for that because I thought that was fairly that was some pretty decent filmmaking. I mean, if I wasn't told that that scene was shot in three different locations, I wouldn't have guessed it. So, yeah. Um. So, um, and then, like I said, the rest of it is just fairly average. Though I did mention the camp. I do love the camp. I, uh, you know, I love the setup of the camp this time. Um, as far as all the stuff in the actual town of Forest Green, eh, it was okay. Nothing special. The gas station and the warehouse and blah blah blah. Uh, the sheriff's station really was just your basic cookie cutter kind of movie police station. So it didn't really do a lot for me, but. Um, the parts of the scenery and set design that I really enjoyed helped bring the score up. So, yeah, uh, that's an 8 out of 10 for me.
1: All right, Kenneth. Um, I gave the scenery a 9. I actually really liked the whole thing. I thought that uh, the inside of the town, uh, Forest Green, was really, really cool. I liked it. Um, I really loved the camp. Okay. I, I, I talked to Jerry previously uh, before we did this about the movie. I really mm-hmm. dig it because it looks like a legit camp. You know, and and in the previous movies, I mean, you know, you kind of get that camp, that camp feel, you know what I'm saying? But this one looks, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to a summer camp, but this really looks like a summer camp. Yeah. And so I really, really like that aspect of it. Um, And, you know, I I like the fact of having the kids there. So I think that kind of gives it more to the scenery. Um, I really like the way the woods looked and stuff like that, because even though this movie is even we're never given a clear answer, but we all assume that it's supposed to take place in the summertime. When you see the, 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 the executive people playing in the woods, it clearly looks like it's fall out there, if not wintertime, because there's no leaves and shit in the trees and so you know that's kind of what it looks like when you're walking around in the woods down here so you know i really really like that so overall i mean i give it a nine i love the scenery in this movie
3: all right jay Uh, i gave it an eight um i'm kind of in the middle of uh of what kenneth was saying there um but, yeah, everything – the the camp looked really great, like like everyone else has already said. The only thing I really had a problem with was the cemetery, and only in that first scene, because when they go back to it later, after the guy uh, finds Tommy's friend in the grave, it looks fine in the daylight, but at night it just looks – it looks like extra fake. I don't I, I don't know. It's weird. But um, other than that, everything else is fine. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job. I had no idea that they shot it in three different locations. That's cool that they cut it together that way to uh, – to make it look it looks like one like I wouldn't have been able to tell
0: you that just based on watching it
4: mm-hmm.
3: but
0: uh but yeah I gave it an eight all right I also gave it an eight um everything is done well from the windows to the walls to Jason stabbing you in the balls uh <laughs> I, I really have no complaints on this one I mean Friday the 13th movies kind of have basic sets but they do a really good job of making their sets feel very real This is no exception. So now we move on to acting Venom. Go ahead.
2: Okay. When it comes to acting in slasher movies, I'm not going to compare these or I'm not going to score them based on comparing them to some of the greatest acting performances ever. You know, the Godfather citizen Kane, whatever you want to go with. So I'm going to, I'm going to score this based on slasher acting specifically. So when I, when you hear my score for the Friday the 13th acting, you don't think that I don't know what good acting is. No, I'm just saying that it's exceptional for sl- for a slasher. Hold
0: on, so, let's acting. test how, hold on, hold on I, got, I got a question so I can figure out what you're gauging uh, oh, oh boy. Is. Uh, uh. <laughs> how do you, what would you give uh, the acting of Heather Langenkamp in A Nightmare on Gnome Street? Uh, the first movie? We've already done this. Yes, but I, nope. I want, I'm trying to gauge his judging of acting in slasher movies.
2: Okay, just the first movie, I'll give her a three out of okay. 10.
0: Okay, what about three?
2: Uh, Slightly better, I probably would go 4.5 or 5.
0: Okay, I trust your opinion. Go ahead. (laughs) so anyway
2: so for Friday the 13th part 6 I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 Um, that may seem like a high score for some because you know the acting is not exceptional in in a slasher you know it's rare that we get exceptional acting in a slasher but I did enjoy Court he made me laugh on multiple occasions Uh, the entire scene of him driving the RV was great despite you know despite the suspension of disbelief of you know, that that tiny little radio would be able to, you know, muffle all the sounds coming from, you know, Jason basically destroying his girl in the bathroom. So, you know, I'll I'll suspend disbelief on that, but I I totally enjoyed that scene. I thought court's performance was great. Um, The rest of the counselors for me are above average. um, But the, the thing that really gets it for me in this movie is the sheriff. Absolutely love the sheriff. I think his performance is exceptional, Um, it's, it's very laid back. I mean, he's not the most emotional guy out there. There are some scenes where I thought he should have maybe, uh, like blown, blown his top a little bit more, but he, he, you know, he has composure and obviously he raised a, uh, you know, uh, an attractive teenage girl. So obviously he must have the patience of a saint. So, uh, yeah, based on the strength of a few of the counselors and the sheriff, I'm giving this, uh, where are we, acting, a 7 out of 10. And as far as C.J. Graham is Jason,
0: meh. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kenneth?
1: Um, I'm I, I'm a Venom. I gave it a 7. I thought the acting was really good. Um, I think, I've said this before, too, I think this was Tom Matthews' best movie. You know, I thought, um, you know, whereas I do enjoy him in other movies, but in Return, in Return 2, his acting was kind of weak. You know what I'm saying? But this one, I think he I think he really, really pushed himself for this one. And I also agree with Venom on The Sheriff. The Sheriff did a fucking phenomenal job. I think those two guys are the ones that really took this movie. All the rest of them, I mean, granted, it was better than some. The acting was definitely yeah. better than some from the rest of the people in the movie. But overall, you know what I'm saying? The Sheriff and Tom Matthews playing Tommy, Those, those are the ones that took it. They did a fucking great job. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Uh, Jay. I gave it an eight.
3: I thought that uh, Tommy was really good. I really enjoyed Jason. Um, I thought the sheriff was really good. Um, everyone else wasn't bad. So the the few of them being above average up the score for me uh, against the rest of everyone just being average because nobody was really bad, in my opinion.
0: Okay. Uh, I am at an I do feel like this is some of the best acting in the series and it sticks to the Friday tradition of not being taken out of the f- film by extremely good acting or really poor acting there is one bad actor in this movie and that's the sheriff's deputy he is fucking awful but luckily he has like four or five lines so it doesn't really matter but when he looks and goes Megan I'm like dude seriously I could shoot Curious George up with heroin and he could deliver that line better Uh, yeah bang yeah pretty much uh (laughs) so we will move on to special effects venom go ahead special
2: effects other than jason's design i mean most of the kills in this movie are off screen which is unfortunate i know the mpaa kind of forced their hand on that And then the ones that are on screen aren't particularly the most bloody, like, you know, the sheriff getting bent back, which, by the way, is one of my favorite kills in the franchise. Absolutely love that. And um, watching it on Blu-ray for the first time on this watch, uh, just absolutely love the sound design on the back breaking. So um, I gave it I gave it a six out of ten. Uh, I do enjoy the Jason design, but I feel like the movie was lacking in really good uh, special effects when it comes to the kills.
0: I agree with you, Kenneth.
1: I gave it a seven, and I, you know, I like the way that uh, I like what they did for his makeup and stuff at the beginning for Jason. You know, I like the way he looked. I really, really enjoyed the uh, the special effects for the hand coming through uh, through the chest and out the back for uh, Haas's heart. I really really like that. Um but you guys are right, a lot of the special uh, uh, I imagine a lot of the good special effects was probably seen it would probably be seen before the MPAA raped this movie.
0: Actually, no. Uh I decided to look that up. And the MPAA go? did cut a couple of things, but really not that much. They had kind of decided beforehand to not even really uh try to go that hardcore because they felt like the MPAA would have done it. So it was kind of a decision that was already made.
1: Okay, so what's the director's name? Something McLaughlin. Tom, Tom McLaughlin. 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 Yeah, well, fuck you, Tom McLaughlin.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't you know, know, know if it was necessarily his choice or the producer's choice or what. Well, fuck but them all. It's it's obviously because like I looked up some of the stuff that was cut. One of the things that was cut was just like the head when the triple decapitation happens. You see the heads fall a little bit, but besides that. They had decidedly was like we're just not going to do any nudity. We're going to bring Frank
1: re- Mancuso in on this. Of was course, he, was he a producer on this? Uh, I'm oh, sure yeah. he was. Guaranteed. Um, okay, but, but I, uh, yeah, all right. Well, even knowing that, I mean, it's uh, the special effects were decent. You know what I'm saying? What we saw of them. So that's the reason why I just kind of stuck with a seven, gave it a classic hand job. I mean, because you know I'd still get a nut, but it wouldn't be the best nut in the world. <laughs> you know what i'm saying view. so so you know i still enjoyed it all right jay um where are we special,
0: special effects acts.
3: i gave it an eight um i really liked what was there i thought jason looked great i thought his makeup was good i thought the effects for the for the kills were good i really like the face into the rv is unrealistic as it is <laughs> i thought it was a, a great effect um yeah, I really, I don't really have anything to complain about with this. I thought it was, it was pretty great all around.
0: All right, um, I gave it a, a seven. Uh, while Jason looks good, most of the kills are off screen with no look at the aftermath, mm-hmm. um, which is a big thing. Because like with Sleepaway Camp, at least we got to see the aftermath. We got to see what it looked like, even if the kill was off screen. So we still got to see the special effects. Here, all we really get is some blood splatter. That's that's about it. So it if even and, yeah, and, yeah. and even
1: the uh even the even the like the arms ripped off and stuff like that it's kind of weak because you know it's just basically a fake arm with fucking, you know. Blood yeah, it's not even dripping blood. Yeah, yeah. It's just blood on the end of it, you know. And we and we get some Harry Potter glasses that are broken with some blood on them too.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so it, it's just really they drop the ball on here um and nothing looks bad. And they do kind of make up some of the stuff they didn't show uh with what uh venom said the the sound design when like Jason uh rips chick's head off by turning it exorcist backwards it oh. sounded amazing, looked yep. amazing without us seeing anything <coughs> unfortunately, this is not one of those instances where what you don't see is scarier. This is a Friday the thirteenth movie, and as soon as we know who the killer is. We want to see it. It's not like the first movie where it's a mystery. Who is it? No, we're done with that. Show us. You start off really strong by giving us a punched out heart. And then after that, you kind of tiptoed through the rest of the movie when it comes to the special effects. So, but hand in hand with special effects is the kills and gore. Venom. All right. Well.
2: Despite what I said about the uh, the special effects, uh, what kills we do get in the movie, I actually am a fan of. I love the arm rip. I hate the smiley face Thank after you. it. Yeah, fuck it's that just smiley un- face. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that smiley face was already on
0: the tree, yeah. and Jason just saw it and thought it would be funny oh. to slam the guy's face into Hold it. Hold up, one second. <laughs> Hold on, one second. Go fuck yourself, Kenneth. I heard that. <laughs> what did Uh-oh. he say? Okay, so me and Kenneth, had I was talking to Kenneth about how much I hated the smiley face mm-hmm. and how unrealistic it is. And he was like, oh, people carve uh, shit into trees all the time, especially at summer camp. You've never been to a summer camp, Jerry. You don't know. I have. Suck a dick. And I was like, okay, so I had to suck a dick. <laughs> because i, I what got, am I going to say? I've never been to whoa, a whoa, fucking whoa. summer I camp. I see the dick sucking. God damn it, guys. No. I keep
1: telling you. Uh, In so, the heat of the moment, man, Jerry is so good at it that I just don't even think about yeah. filming it.
0: They, they like to call me three seconds from perfection, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, um, my
1: fucking, my goddamn, my guts hurt when I bust that nut. Man. Yeah. It's he awesome.
0: looked at me and he was like, do you think you can get bruises on your dick? My dickhead's purple. And I'm like, calm down. It's like a hickey. You'll be okay. <laughs> um, but I was just like, no, it doesn't happen. So then I decided to come back, double or nothing. I was like, Kenneth, let's go out in the woods. There's no way we find a, a, a carved Face. And he's like, well, it's too cold tonight. Let's go tomorrow. And I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. I'm a bitch. I hate cold weather. Fine. So I cuddled up to him. We went to sleep. We, uh, so <laughs> late the next afternoon, we go out into the woods. And sure enough, there's one carved into the tree. And he's all, ha ha. See, I can't prove it. But I bet money this motherfucker went out in the middle of the night. <laughs> and Or early morning because I don't like to wake up early. Uh, he went out there and carved that so he could get a second blowjob, and that's why he's <laughs> fucking making snickering noises over there because of fucking uh, what fucking Venom just said about. I'm sure it was already there. Yeah, <laughs> this fucking I, it's cunt. probably
2: not what the director was implying with that kill, but I, I'm just gonna take it as that just so that I can accept it because I because it. I mean, if if you're gonna tell me that that guy's face made the smiley face imprint on the tree. Uh, I'm going to roll my eyes like, yeah, for a full day. That's just awful. But anyway, back to the kills. Um, I don't have a major problem with the triple head decap because it's a brand new machete that he's using. If you notice that machete is all shiny and new, so it's probably sharp as hell. Uh, so I'll accept the three heads lopped off at once. But uh, once again, too many off-screen kills Uh, and not enough um, you know after effect shots Um, I was really disappointed Uh, who is it that gets killed in the puddle
0: Uh, that is the director's wife
2: okay well whoever that was that kill should have been
1: Elizabeth Mott
2: Cool. (laughs) yeah that kill should have been so much like where was the blood Where was the blood? He basically impaled her head on that thing in a puddle. And and all you get is a tiny little trickle of red when they close up on the American Express uh, credit card.
0: Here's how the conversation went on set. Uh, Frank was like, uh, Tom, where's the blood? You got to have fucking blood here. What the fuck? And Tom was like, well, you see, we're going to do a close up of this credit card called American Excess floating out of her hand. It'll be great. What the fuck are you talking about? That's not fun. This is Friday the 13th. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. I did the smiley face in the tree, remember? And so that's how it went down. I mean, what are you going to do?
2: Yeah, I suppose. Uh God. Um, but as far as the rest of the kills, obviously the high point for me will always be the sheriff's kill. I, I absolutely love that kill, even though they kind of reprised it. Um, what was it? Jason goes to hell. I think they did it a second time. Um, know.
0: they did the bed bending back break, which was kind of like a mixture of, oh, okay. Maybe that's of what that thinking. one in, in Freddie's other love for killing people in beds, which is yeah. done like fucking three, four, five, sixteen 16 fucking times. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but not
2: least Jason's death. I actually liked it more than I remembered. I remember like, I, I always just remembered, you know, the chain, the boulder, and then him sinking to the bottom, and always thinking, uh, ah, whatever." I had completely forgotten about the uh, the propeller, uh, you know, on the little outboard motor there, the, and then the fact that it actually breaks his neck. I complete, I had completely forgotten about that, and when I saw it this time, I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's why I remember liking this uh, this death." So yeah, so all in all, I'm going to give kills and gore a seven out of ten, and it's mostly because of the last two kills in the movie, the sheriff and Jason.
1: All right, Kenneth. I gave it a seven. (laughs) And uh, the main reason why I gave it a seven is because I don't... It's not that I don't think the kills are inventive. I think they're cool. It's just because we don't get to see a lot of it. But, like, you know, uh, the tree thing, I thought that was funny. You know what I'm saying? Um, The uh the girl getting her face into the side of the thing it always reminds me of like when when daffy duck takes a frying pan to the face or something like that that's what that always reminds me of so i thought that was pretty funny (laughs) but you know there the other ones like the sheriff getting bent backwards i thought that was pretty cool i actually thought jason's death was kind of weak um let's see what else was in there that i'm missing uh the 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 triple like eh, i was just the triple beheading i was just like eh, you know what i'm saying i think that could have been better i think we could have got more filler if he'd have killed them individually or two at a time i think that would have been cool um but you know uh, uh can anybody tell me what jason slung at that guy that fell into the boat and hit him in the forehead a lawn dart is that what that was? Yeah,
2: because um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. On this rewatch, as soon as Jason kills that cop with the dart, I actually made the comment, wow, Jason must have been practicing because he nailed the guy right in the middle of the forehead. Well, the very next shot after that kill is a dartboard on the back of the boy's uh, cabin door. And I just thought that was just absolutely perfect. It's almost like, you know, if anybody's questioning how Jason's so good at darts, there's the dartboard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh okay cool yeah because i was just like i was like man what the fuck is that thing but uh yeah so i liked it. i, I like that guy's kill um the, you know the cl- you got the classic head squish you know what i'm saying even though we didn't actually get to see you know we got we got good sound effects on that that was nice mm-hmm. um you know and uh the one that i am very disappointed that we didn't get to see is when he fucking just goddamn i mean just splatters that chick all over that room Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, and and I was talking to Jerry about this, about why he was so brutal with her, with anybody else. And the bad thing is, is the only thing we get to see is a blood splash on a window and then her come out the window and nothing else.
2: Yeah.
1: I was upset about that. I was disappointed about
2: that. It's almost like, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jack the Ripper and his kills, but the very last kill that Jack the Ripper did was like his most violent one. And it's right. because he didn't do it in the street. He actually did it in her apartment. So he he had all the time in the world to do all the awful things that he wanted to do. And I kind of I thought kind of the same thing with this one. This one, it's an indoor kill. There's no one else in the cabin besides Jason and the girl. Plus, it's late in the movie, so most of the counselors are already dead at that point. So I think Jason just kind of took his time with that one, knowing and that he's have him a good old blast. Exactly. He's got he's <laughs> gotta enjoy at least one of the kills.
0: You know, much like how one day you wake up and you you go outside to play with your friends and you don't know it's the last day you'll ever play with your friends again. I wonder if a serial killer knows it's his last kill. Like He's (laughs) out there having fun, playing with her intestines, jacking off. And, you know, he doesn't realize this is his last time.
4: Hmm. I don't know, just
0: just a a thought. My other (laughs) thought was well, how do we know that's Jack the Ripper's last kill? Maybe he was smart enough to be like, oh, if I change my M.O., fucking the fucking brats from Scotland's yard won't be
1: able to find me. Yeah, yeah. there are theories that he was H.H. Holmes.
0: Yes, and
2: I actually buy into that theory. Their their M.O.s were very similar. The
1: timeline is almost right. perfect.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I, watched, you
1: know, uh, I watched all those documentaries on it, man, and I'm just like, what the yeah.
0: fuck? Absolutely, yeah. I'm right there with you. I might have to look into this H.H. H. Holmes thing because I'm, I'm kind I don't of know enough about it. either person to give an
1: opinion. There's like a whole series based on that where yeah. they try, where it's like it goes episode by episode. And I think it's like a whole season or two where they link H.H. H. Holmes to Jack the Ripper.
0: I will and, have to find this. Dude, yeah. it's,
1: it's fucking good, man. It is really good. And you'll sit there while you're watching it and you're like, Wow, I never would have thought. Because there's other theories out there, like Lewis Carroll was Jack the Ripper.
4: You're right?
1: You know that theory's out there because there's a lot of uh, what What are those things where uh, where you can take letters and something and mix them around and they make something else? What was it anagrams? Something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah something, something like that. Cyphers. Yeah. Okay. Well, they yeah they say the same thing that if you look at some of the uh, the poetry that's in. Um, in uh, Alice in Wonderland, if you look at some of the poetry in there, oh, wow, I can
0: debunk this right now. He was a pedophile, what, so I don't think he was killing <laughs> of-age hookers. I
1: don't know, I don't know, but that's that's one of the theories that are out there. There's several others, but the one that I buy into the most is the H.H. Holmes because yeah. the timelines work out perfectly. Yep, yeah, I don't I don't believe in the Lewis Carroll one
0: because he was a pedophile who who Alice was his next door neighbor's daughter who was very young, uh, and he wanted very badly uh so i'll go with hh holmes but let's get back on track uh kenneth did you have anything to add for your kills
1: uh just that i thought jason's kill was weak i mean i said it before but you know uh, the the whole thing about you know putting him under the water and 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 stuff like that this is a motherfucker that has taken goddamn an axe to the head a machete to the side of the face um uh you, you know in this movie a bullet to the forehead um along with other things throughout the course and he was alive throughout the first four you know what i'm saying so i mean through all this stuff that he's taken and then uh, a broken neck and 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 a little bit of drowning is going to take him out also (laughs) technically he does not die
0: yeah
2: yeah death we i I say death in quotations
1: yeah but you get Um, what i'm but you get what i'm saying i mean the 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 demise i or, or 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 the uh the the you know the victor comes out and and he's not you know what i'm saying so i agree with you Um, at least
0: it's not toxic waste uh true (laughs) okay well i mean i like toxic. i don't like the 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 child afterwards but i like toxic waste um (laughs) but i actually agree with you i i think the whole i would have been fine with him just being trapped by a rock underneath there i think it would have been subtle it would it would have been to me it would have been fine um but I guess they they felt like they needed some kind of edge, and I was sitting there the whole time like, if you tie a chain around his neck, you don't want to attack his face or neck with a fucking propeller, because he could lose his head. He's unfucking dead. You don't know if he can sew that shit back on. He's already got the gloves. Yeah, I mean, he could have a sewing doesn't... kit in his little pouch there. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Jay. Kills and gore. <laughs> oh, oh, we're
3: still on uh, Kills and gore here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, an so, hour later. <laughs> <laughs> I gave Kills and gore a 9, and here's why. So while, most, while there was a bunch of off-screen stuff, I also feel like after the, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, the clichéness of the kills in 5, I felt this was a step forward, and it felt more... I know he wasn't Jason in five, but I felt this felt more like Jason, like him just throwing the dude into the tree, and also that smiley face was totally there before he hit the guy. It just is funny. So calm your ass down. <laughs> um, but even the stuff that was off screen, like I just I I really enjoyed the kills in this one. I don't really know how else to uh, to say it after everybody said everything that could possibly be said, but uh, I didn't have a problem with it. I feel like the way they stopped Jason, I won't say kill, but the way they stopped Jason is probably the smartest way. If you're going to take somebody who's completely unkillable and just keeps coming, what's
0: better than to make them completely immobile forever? Like, that's I, that's genius. No, no, no. We agree with that part. Yeah, yeah, We don't agree with attacking their face and or neck with a propeller when oh, there's a well, chain around their know. neck.
2: I think she just did that to get him to let go of Tommy, not necessarily to take his head off or anything
1: well see i don't agree with the chain part either because think about it i mean i mean if, if you know if he's still awake and down there i mean he could grab a hold of that chain pull himself down pull it off his head and fucking float to the top i mean this sure. motherfucker is strong enough to bend somebody backwards and crush a human skull with his hands you mean to tell me that he couldn't have grab a hold of that chain pull yeah. himself to give himself a little bit of slack and pull it off his head
0: that's a valid point that
2: the two I've never thought about. Oh, the two major questions I have about that final Jason kill is a how far into the lake are there are they it seems like they're only like 10 20 feet off the shore which means someone's gonna run into Jason's body at some point I mean I understand that they're probably they gonna shut the- <laughs> well yeah a year later sure they do but um I don't know it's just one of those things that it uh it seems like he wouldn't be deep enough to be hidden, and then the other thing, which is the more obvious one, but again, you know, we got to suspend disbelief, is just the physics of it. Like, if he has a chain that's holding him down underwater, how is he floating right side up? He'd be floating upside down, feet right. up,
0: yeah, feet right. up, true. head down.
2: Yeah. So, that's I mean, true. you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interjecting logic into a slasher movie, which obviously, I should ob- Jason obviously. Jason is wearing logic. very
0: heavy steel-toed boots. Yeah. Let, <laughs>
2: Maybe, uh, you know, maybe he was wearing, uh what do you call it? The mafia shoes, mafia cement, uh, cement boots. There we go.
0: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't... Maybe he's really into Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. He's got the steel boots on so he can walk underneath water. But his yeah. head, you know, it gets real bubbly later on. It's because <laughs> of how it made him float while the steel boots tore him down. That's how he became to look like that. It's from this movie. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, it does kills gore I, I gave it a 7 pretty much everything's been said there are some great kills but sadly no gore for a slasher movie I do want to talk about my favorite kill which actually hasn't really been talked about that much and that's court's kill uh, I really enjoy uh, the one joke in the movie that is a wink to the audience that I do actually like is court getting stabbed in the, in the ear and that right there the song stops uh, which thank god it did because if I have to hear any more fucking hair metal jesus christ um so it was kind of like i just thought that was real like i really liked that kill even though it was kind of stupid and doesn't work inside the actual movie because the song would still be playing sure sure um i i I like that effect as well though too for whatever it's worth yeah but it was just another one of the the director winking at you i was just like okay bravo for this one i'll give you this one tom but Go fuck yourself. Put some blood in that water next to that credit card. God damn it!
2: I just really wish that when they showed um, Court Court's body, like lean and hit the uh, the side of the RV, that they could have done something about the shaking of the knife. It, the knife shakes enough that it's very obvious it's a rubber knife. Yeah. And I just wish that they could do something about that. I feel like they're. I feel like they could, but they probably just didn't want to take the time.
0: I wish that they instead of playing that Alice Cooper song. They would have played that Tiffany song, I Think We're Alone Now. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Because how funny would it be if Jason just killed his girlfriends? I think we're alone now. And then it's Jason in court. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been fucking great. (laughs) Uh, I just want to apologize to the three people that listen to this show for that joke. (laughs) Um, We will now continue on. Uh, Monster slash killer. Venom, go ahead.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, this one. Uh, I absolutely love the design of
0: Jason in this
2: one. You know, you've got the whatever five plus years of decay in the grave. Um, yeah, I don't have as much of a problem with the the amount of worms. Um, obviously, you know, from a logical standpoint, there wouldn't be that many worms on them that many years later because there wouldn't be any flesh left on them. So, you know, what you know, who's laying eggs in a in a in a corpse with no real meat left on it? But you know, aside from that. Um, I love the design. Uh, you know, the mask is obviously the classic, um, final chapter mask. Um, now I, I made a, I made a statement earlier about CJ Graham. I I don't hate CJ Graham in this movie as Jason. What I, I, I had mentioned the chase, um, when Jason's chasing the sheriff at the camp. And part of why I don't like um jason in that particular scene is the way he walks did you guys notice in the shot where he's chasing the sheriff in the in the one shot where they're both on screen right when the chase starts like when the sheriff drops his gun and runs jason's almost strutting he's almost doing the george jefferson like he's like oh yeah i'm not gonna rush i'm gonna get you i don't care you know he he's almost walking around like uh you know, I'm I'm the baddest man around, so I don't gotta worry about nothing. I don't know. It just it, it came off as very arrogant. And Jason to me has never been arrogant. You know, he's uh he's a soulless, mindless I
0: one hundred percent disagree and I think Jason is arrogant as fuck. Ah uh, see, I don't I don't believe it. Especially I, undead Jason. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god, is he arrogant? See, I, I don't know. I can't buy into it. Like all the things that Jason does, he does
2: to scare his victims or to, you know, you know, the, the whole placement of the bodies, you know, After yeah, to build his ego. Look what
0: I did. See, I don't, this think, show I don't think that's an ego thing,
2: though. I don't think I think there's a purpose to that and his purpose yeah, is to disorient didn't... his victims. You know, when you know, you open a door and there's a body hanging there that's disorienting. That's gonna get you to slow down even for a couple of seconds, which might be all Jason needs to catch up. So my first thought uh, is whether I'm gonna fuck it.
0: <laughs> That's always your first thought. I know. I tried to give him a fucking scone the other day and he was like, Well, can I fuck it? And I was like, No, you eat it. Okay, well I mean, um, no. you can fuck it before you eat it. There you go. Uh,
1: special <laughs> sauce. Uh okay.
2: but yeah, back to back to our killer. Um yeah, I am. I am a huge fan of Jason in this one. Probably my second or third. It's easily a top three Jason design and performance for me. So I'm gonna. So like I said, I'm giving this. Where are we? Killer. Eight out of ten.
1: All right, Kenneth. I gave him an eight also. Um, first off, I'm gonna go ahead and go into uh, the conversation that y'all started about Jason being arrogant. I love the fact Jason being arrogant. I love it. The I think this movie you see it a little bit in part four, but I think in this movie it really comes through, I, and that's one of the things that I like about Zombie Jason throughout the throughout the rest because you know when you like C J Graham started it C J Graham started giving him more attitude, and Kane Hodder t- took it and ran with it. But I I enjoy this like like my first the first instance where you can see. When Jason first gets woke up in the casket and you see the look in his eye, that close up shot, this is where this is the first time where you genuinely see anger on him and malice, not just I'm a mindless killer. This is where he's just like, you can see it. You can see where it's just like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. I am back and I'm fixing to have a fucking blast. And oh my God, this is the little bastard that put me here. You can see it on him. And I love it. And and you can see it even more throughout the rest of the film. I mean, it's just, I, I love the arrogance of Jason in this. He knows that he's a fucking badass. He knows that he's back from the dead. He knows that nothing can fucking hurt him. He and And he revels in it. You can see him reveling in it with his attitude and his mannerisms. I love it. I agree
0: with you because you look at how he, like, eyeballs the camera here. Go back to, like, the end of part three when she's having her dream sequence and you have fucking Jason looking through the window with his tongue out looking like fucking Sloth from the Goonies thinking there's a baby Ruth down there. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. But in this one, he just looks pissed. I love it. Jake. I,
2: think, I think he's pissed because he was resting nicely and somebody woke him up.
1: Hey, whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't give a shit. He looks mean as fuck, and I like it. it. <laughs> Fair enough, Jay. Uh, so when we reviewed part four,
3: I said this is this is the first time we see the Jason that everyone remembers—the uh, way he likes to kill, the way he moves—and six just takes that and runs with it. I fucking love Zombie Jason. Your guys are absolutely right. He is fucking arrogant as shit, and I love it. Hit like uh, the guy he throws into the tree where he just like fuck is like, okay, I'm done with you, and throws him into the fucking tree. Uh, he becomes instantly good at killing everybody in all kinds of different ways, and I just love every second of it. I gave it a nine, uh, and I don't really need to elaborate. I think I think that that's that's all I really have to say. It was fucking perfect to me.
0: Yeah, I also give it an eight uh, for the first undead. Jason, he does a good job of feeling imposing and like an unstoppable force. Uh, I do think we miss a little bit just because they focus so much on Tommy that they lose a bit of Jason, but he's still able to pull out how just fucking pissed and imposing he is. And I have to say, I agree with the arrogant thing. When he just fucking shoves his spear through the bitch's tire and it's like, honk again, fucking do it. Like <laughs> he's so cocky. Just like bring it on. I will fuck up everything except little girls. Cause I don't do that, but other than that, he will... I know, but it specifically, he was face to face with a little girl and it was so yeah, that's sweet. true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I give it an, an eight. I think it could have been even higher if it wasn't for, uh, the focus being s- so on Tommy in this movie that we actually don't get as much time with, Jason. Um, but speaking of Tommy, we move on to hero. So go ahead venom.
2: All right. Well, with this one, we technically have two heroes here, you know, with Tommy and his girl, uh, the sheriff's daughter. And unfortunately I have differing opinions on them. Both. I absolutely love Tom Matthews performance as Tommy, I love this story and movie as the culmination of the Jarvis trilogy. Um, I don't have any major problems with not seeing Tommy Jarvis again later in the franchise. Um, but the sheriff's daughter, I just I, you know, I've already spoken to her, uh, spoken about her on the episode here. Um, I just feel like she was just too sassy for her own good, overly arrogant. Now, I know that she's the she's the sheriff's daughter which probably means that she can get away with anything she wants in that town, ultimately. Um, So I understand that there's going to be a little bit of a teenage arrogance there to go with it. But I don't know. I just I felt like, you know, they're not implying that these kids are in high school. So they got to be at least college age. So we're, you know, we're looking at mid, uh, you know, early mid 20s. So I'd like to think that she's a little bit more intelligent, a little bit more down to earth than the average Say 18, 19 year old would be. I, I'm not even. I'm not even sure how I can put this into words. But her performance just rubbed me the wrong way. Let's go with that. Um, so averaging out the awesome performance by Tom Matthews and then the just okay performance of the sheriff's daughter, uh, I gave this a seven out of ten.
1: All right, Kenneth. I gave Tom Matthews nine as Tommy Jarvis. Um, I did not. Consi- I did not really consider. Um, uh, the sheriff's daughter, Megan, I really didn't consider her to be like the hero, hero, you know, it was always Tommy from the beginning, um, she was there, she was in the background, you know, she saved Tommy's life, but that's, you know, she's Tommy's hero, she's not the hero of the movie, and so, you know, I, I, I gave Tommy Jarvis the nine, I thought it was cool, I liked the fact that was coming back, um, you know, uh, one of the things that I liked about the character is that there was no wavering, You know, like, like when you see in other movies where you see the hero come in, the hero sometimes kind of wavers back and forth between when they start thinking, well, is what I'm doing the right thing, you know, or, or you get that, you got the person that's going to be the hero. But at the same time, they turn into a chicken shit and then fucking decide. And then they have to come back to their senses or blah, blah, blah. Tommy doesn't do this. Tommy's on the linear. He knew what he was doing from the beginning. Unfortunately, it was his fucking fault that Jason came back. But. From the from from the beginning of the movie, his intention was to destroy Jason, and it didn't even stop when Jason was resurrected, and so that was the reason why I gave him a nine. Not to mention, I love Tom Matthews' performance. Mm-hmm.
3: Fair enough. All right, Jay. Uh, I really liked his acting. Um, I don't know what I was thinking when I gave the hero a seven. To be honest with you, uh, I've been working a lot of hours lately. <laughs> it seems like a silly choice in retrospect, but, you know, it is what it is, and that's our rules. <laughs> um, man, I feel dumb. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm right there
2: with Kenneth. I gave Tom Matthews' performance a nine as our hero, but I guess... But it's about uh, the I, character, not the acting. Oh, no, definitely. No, no, and, and I'm right there with you. Uh, I still... I, I, his, obviously, his motivations are there. Um, he's got a plan. He's got multiple plans. I mean, he had the plan in the cemetery. And then when that fell through, he comes up with the new plan, you know, for the lake drowning. So yeah, I'm right there with Kenneth. Like I said, I'll, I give him a nine. I, I guess my mistake was, is that I also incorporated the sheriff's daughter into hero because you always think of final girl, you know, the term is final girl, not final boy. So, you know, I, I wasn't sure if you guys were gonna, Uh, Look at just Tommy as the as our hero or if you were going to incorporate the sheriff's daughter as well, because she does do a lot.
1: You know, it's, sub- he, it's subjective in that he, situation because there are sometimes if you listen to our previous ones there are sometimes where one of us will have somebody as a hero and then somebody else have somebody different as a hero when that instance you know uh presents itself so it's like it's subjective on what you think you know what i'm yeah. saying i didn't particularly put megan in that box but you did so it just depends on you as a person and how you look at the film
3: right right i so think that, i was that, that, thinking that it's his fault that jason's back and maybe that's why i docked him points I'm like, yes, he saved the day, but also a bunch of people died because of what he was doing in the first place. He saved the day, but he fucked the day up first. Exactly. So <laughs> I think that might have been where my head was at when I gave him a 7. But doesn't matter. It's done now, and that's what he gets. He gets a 7.
0: All right. Uh, I gave Tommy a 9. He gets one point off because it is his fault for bringing Jason back.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but other than that, he's about everything I want in a hero, and it was a, a good thing to— slide from a final girl to a final guy i don't think we always need a final girl in a slasher movie uh it's just sometimes let's move away let's give it to someone else let's make it more personal and that's what they did in this movie and it works very well uh as for the topic of megan i think she's a great support hero for tommy but when i watch the movies my main thing is Who, to me, is the movie saying the hero is? And in this movie, I feel like it never wavers from the fact that it's Tommy. I have said before that in other parts of movies where I think the hero is two different people because the movie sets it up to be two different people, uh, which we will see in the next movie. Um, But for this one, I, I do think it's strictly Tommy. But I do get the argument for Megan being the hero also. So with that being said, we move on to score slash soundtrack, Venom.
2: Well, I am a huge Manfredini fan, so I pretty much love every Friday the 13th soundtrack, even when it's just the rehashed stuff, you know, and which is for the most part what's going on here. It feels anyway. I didn't actually do any research, but it it feels like it's basically just rehashed Manfredini scores from previous movies, but it's still Manfredini. It's still above average. I still genuinely enjoy it. So for me, it's still a seven out of ten.
0: You ever been to a uh, Manfredini party, where it's I like can't... one married white chick with a bunch of black? Do- Wait, that's the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> Never <laughs> mind. Kenneth, score <laughs> slash soundtrack.
1: Um, I gave it a seven. I mean, it was uh, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was typical. You know what I'm saying? The 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 classic Jason thing. And then you got. Uh, I actually am a big fan of the uh, Alice Cooper tracks that are in this movie, uh, Teenage Frankenstein and the Man Behind the Mask. Um, I really really like them both. Um, I actually had the uh, the cassette that was just the uh, the single of those two songs from the movie um, back in the day which was really cool because it was a picture of Alice Cooper and he was holding a Jason mask on the front, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Um, so but I gave it a seven and looking back on it now I, I probably would have bumped it up a couple just for those two but I'm I, you know got to stick with the seven so that's what I got it was it was all right. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave the score and soundtrack an eight, and that's
3: strictly for the cheesy metal in the movie. <laughs> uh, Alice Cooper's song, the song that's playing when he's driving the RV, which I think is also Alice Cooper. Uh, so you know what? It gets an eight because of Alice Cooper. That's uh, that's that's my reasoning. The actual that's, all you mean. that's <laughs> the actual score itself was was fine. Uh, as I've said before, I have a hard time judging these things. Sometimes, unless it really, really stands out. Uh, but the soundtrack side of it, 8. 8 out of 10.
0: All right. Uh, I gave it a 7 uh, standard Manfredini here. Um, when it comes to using real songs in movies, that's always real hit or miss for me. Mm. Uh, and like I said, like what, with Court's death, it makes sense that it's playing because he's playing on the radio, but then the director ruins it by having it stop before it would actually st- stop in the actual scene and that bothers me stuff like that really bothers me if you're having the song play in the real life of the movie then you need to respect that and not use it as a as a cheap joke even if that one did work for me uh i'm not a fan of, of hair metal so i really don't care for it so i i just gave it a seven i just really didn't care either way
1: I, I, the more that i think about it where you're talking about the when teenage Frankenstein stops when he gets takes the thing to the air. The more I think about it, the more I think to myself, you're right. Even though it's a cool it's a cool little joke. But at the same time, I think it would have been for the movie itself, I think it would have been cooler if the muffled version of that song was still playing when the when the uh the R V was laying on its side and Jason comes out of it. Like yeah. it is when you walk up on somebody and they've wrecked their car and they had their music loud as fuck and the music's still playing. Yep. Uh, The more I think about it, that might actually have been really damn cool. (laughs) Or it could have
0: been, if we're alone now, sorry. Oh God. Uh, Scare factor. uh, We go to Venom.
2: Scare factor. Well, uh, when you're talking to someone like myself and I'm sure like everyone else on the program where we're, you know, 20, 30, 40 year, you know, horror movie veterans. It's really hard to scare us necessarily. And slashers least of all, like, I I don't think I've ever really found slashers all that scary. Maybe when I was a kid, but I mean, once I was 18, nothing as far as in the slasher genre really scared me all that much. And this movie is really, you know, uh, it's the same thing. I mean, there's not a whole lot of scares, um, but you do get the third act, which is totally, you know, at the campsite and, you know, you've got, you get some good, it's, it's more tension and, uh, just kind of creep factor that you get more than actual scares. I mean, Friday the 13th for the most part, doesn't really rely on jump scares, at least at this point in the franchise. So, you know, scare factor, barely above average for me. I gave it a six out of 10.
1: All right, Kenneth, I gave it a three. Ooh. I don't find the movie to be scary, really, at all. I mean, while even though it is very entertaining and I enjoy watching it, I did not find it scary. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a fun watch. That's all it is. There's not really... I mean, I, I get the same kind of... To me, this is like watching an action movie with scary elements. I mean, it's really not... You know, it, it it's just not scary to me at all. I mean, there was a couple of moments where it was like, oh, it gave me like, like when he turns Chick's head around backwards, I was kind of like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> so there were a couple of moments like that, probably like three of them. So each one got a point. So that was probably about it. It was not scary at all.
0: All right, Jay. Uh,
3: I gave it a seven. Uh, again, this is one of the categories that I have a hard time scoring uh, just because I don't really typically experience fear or being scared while watching horror movies. Um, But Zombie Jason is, in my opinion, scarier in theory than regular Jason. So just from the fact that it's a a giant zombie who's very good at killing people, coming after you, seems scary enough to me. So I gave it a 7.
0: Alright, so I'm at a 6. This one really doesn't have anything that scary. While there are one or two creepy shots of Jason, uh, like specifically when he's uh, the uh, girl who gets blood splattered all over the fucking room, when she's walking past the windows and Jason is following her, that is genuinely creepy. But because the focus is so on Tommy, there's really not that many good like scary shots of Jason. So it's really hard to keep with the killer's mind at that point. Um, Now, one thing, uh, you know, we've said on the show before, me and Kenneth like to put ourselves in the movie to try to feel what they feel scare-wise. The only person that I could really feel any fear with is Tommy being so desperate to warn people. And no one believing him is something that I can generally feel with. Like he's getting treated like he's the the boy who cried wolf when he's not there's no fake warning or anything like that uh and still no one is believing him because they're judging him based off a past that has that they oh you have mental health i'm going to just judge you and i feel that i feel the fear of being judged because of my mental health problems No matter what, that's always going to be a stigma I'm going to have to deal with. And I know that's a really weird thing to bring up for scare factor. But that's the only person I can generally understand their fear. Being so desperate to try to get you to believe something. And being thrown to the side just because of something you can't even help. So, now that I've got off my uh, very, (laughs) very deep soapbox uh we move on to entertainment venom
2: entertainment this is going to get a high one because i I, i've already said that i'm a big fan of the friday the 13th franchise this particular chapter is probably a top five film in the franchise for me um it's definitely one of the more fun movies in the franchise Uh, as we've already discussed not really a whole lot of scares not really a whole lot of gore um, this is almost one that you can watch with a younger audience and, uh, potentially turn them on to uh, slasher movies. But I still personally absolutely love the first chapter of zombie Jason. Um, you know, as, as dumb and unrealistic as his rebirth was, I still, I'm a huge fan of Frankenstein. So it just makes sense that I like this rebirth for Jason. And you know we've already discussed the kills and the acting, and you know for the most part, based on my scores, you see that I'm above average to to exceptional on most of these categories. So yeah, for entertainment, uh, I gave this an eight out of ten.
0: Yeah, and ladies, he's also above average and exceptional in mm-hmm. bed too. <laughs> Have you been talking to my wife? Or the no, other? Why would you assume that I talk to your wife about your penis? That's just weird. I would never do that at uh, anyway kenneth what did you think of
1: entertainment i gave it a nine nice. i mean because like i said before the movie may not be that scary to me but it's wildly entertaining yeah. you know i love watching it it's fun it and i mean this is what i told jerry when we were talking about it like a week ago it's just a fun movie it really is it's a fun watch it's something that you can get on like i said it's like watching an action action adventure movie to me with you know with jason in it you know i mean that's what it's like it's got humor in it sometimes the humor you know is not really warranted and it doesn't need to be there but for the most part the humor you got humor you got action sequences you've got uh one of the most menacing killers that we've seen so far in the in the franchise i mean all the way around i mean it's 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 a really entertaining movie so i gave it a 9
0: all right jay uh entertainment
3: sorry i lost my place here uh, i gave an eight uh, i find it incredibly entertaining for all the positives that i listed earlier the kills are fun uh, i love zombie jason
0: i think the jokes are funny you don't like them but whatever you don't like humor um <laughs> what are you talking about i watch I, john leguizamo's the pest all the time movie as it sucks. is the highest I love the pest. of comedy uh, there is the pest is great
2: uh, the pest is good in for the opening scene, and then the rest of it doesn't do anything for me.
3: That's because you don't like humor <laughs> I say Jerry keeps sweet. hanging out with people who don't like humor. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, either way, it's it's super entertaining. It's way more entertaining than the last one, even though yes. I don't remember what score I gave the last one. So if this is uh, the same, then that's weird. But I found it way more entertaining than the last one. Uh, so yeah, eight for me.
0: All right, I gave it a seven. This movie is uh, very entertaining. But for some reason, it doesn't have the Friday feel for me. So there are other Friday movies I would rather watch over it. But I would like to sometime uh, in the near future, once I get all this Friday the 13th out of me and it's been a while, I would like to do a back-to-back of four and six uh, together and see how that feels. You Mm -hmm. know, just take in four, see how I like that, If if I'm enjoying it, take in another six. Hmm. No, I, I left that wide open for y'all and no one jumped in. <laughs> My bad. Wow. Slacking. Um, <laughs> all right. Rewatchability. Go ahead, Venom.
2: All right. Um, rewatchability. I gave this a seven out of ten, which sounds low considering how much I love this movie. But I'm only basing that score on the rewatchability of the entire franchise. And for me, the first five movies, I can watch literally anytime, any place. Just pop it in. Even if, if even if I don't watch the whole thing, just pop in a random scene. If it's on like Sci-Fi or something, I might leave it on. Um, with six, this one. Because of how how over the top it is and how much more comedy there is in it, I kind of have to be in the mood for it. Um, this is definitely not the first Jason that I would reach for if I was in the mood for a Friday the 13th movie. It would definitely be something in the first four films. Um, but yeah, I mean, 7 out of 10, still a pretty high score, still very rewatchable for me. Um, but definitely not the first Friday I reach for if I'm in the mood for a Jason movie.
1: Fair enough. Kenneth. I gave it an eight, even though the entertainment factor is higher to me. um, I still give it an eight. And the reason being is because it's not going to be the first one that I go for. But if I catch it on TV, I'll probably watch it. I'll absolutely watch it if I catch it on TV. And sometimes I actually do have a hankering to want to watch this one. But I'm always going to go for part seven first. That's just that's just always going to be the way it is. So I gave it an eight. Um, You know, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, Jay. Uh, Rewatchability, I also gave an
3: 8. I would watch this one over 5. I'd probably watch this one over 3. I'd watch this one over a few of them. So, yeah, I just gave it an 8 because I would watch it
0: (laughs) again. All right, Uh, I gave it a 7. It's not one I rewatch often because it's more of a Tommy movie than a Jason movie. But I will say on this watch, I think it did come up for me... Um, from how I previous felt about the movie. And I can see me rewatching this more, especially with me doing my talk about watching 4 and 6 back-to-back. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we go to the last category. Fuck me. Okay, no. I'm catatonic right now. You uh, <laughs> I've been t- shitting my brains out all day. Yay. Uh, so anyway, pop culture is our last category. Venom, would you please explain how you feel about said things?
2: Okay, for those of us who were around for all the original Friday the 13th movies, oh, uh, this <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an old fart, so I, I actually saw, I've seen every Friday the 13th movie in theaters on opening weekend. Uh, I was 10 years old when uh, the first Friday the 13th came out, and the only reason that my mother took me to
0: see it is because she couldn't find a babysitter. But, God, you see how much of a show off this guy? This guy's arrogant. I'm going to start <laughs> calling him Jason lives. Nice. No. Uh, anyway. <laughs>
2: um, um, so for those of us who were there, uh, we remember that this is the movie where Jason becomes a literal, if not figurative rock star. I mean, he's obviously he's, he appears in the, um, the Alice Cooper video for he's back. That was also the year that he made an appearance on the MTV Movie Awards. That was also the year that he did a guest spot on Arsenio. Yes, uh, a non-speaking character did a guest spot on Arsenio. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a YouTube. I thought Kane Hodder did. I have seen that too. No, it's actually it it is Kane Hodder, but it's no, 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 it's not because it was for part six. That was not Kane Hodder. I don't think it was C.J. Graham either. it, It was just a random guy in the costume. I don't. I don't think that was actually any of the actual actors. Um, but anyway, yeah, like I said, I remember, and then the bond intro for this movie, which I know a lot of people hate, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it myself, but it's like the filmmakers knew that this, this new chapter was going to be something special for Jason as far as his popularity goes. So <laughs> okay, with all that,
0: on, I, I had to look it up real quick. Um, sure. you're actually wrong. The Arsenio Hall show is from 1989 and was to promote Jason takes Manhattan. Oh shit. So you are actually wrong on this one because I was like, no, that's fucking Kane Hodder. I've heard Kane Hodder talk about this.
1: I love the the uh, the James Bond opening, just to, just to put that out there. I thought it was great.
2: <laughs> I think us diehard Jason fans are going to enjoy it because, you know, it's campy. It's silly. I loved um, it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I said I was on the fence, but I'm definitely leaning more towards liking it. I mean, I, it brings a smile to my face for whatever it's worth, so... Um, so anyway, um, with all that being said, and despite my error on the Arsenio appearance, I'm still giving pop culture a 10 out of 10
1: unapologetically. All right, Kenneth. Um, I gave it a six. And the reason why I gave it a six is because and I'll be honest, because of my ignorance, um, I did. I don't really know how much praise this one got at the time when it came out. I know now. It's one of those where people, it's like, it's. I think it falls in the in between because five, obviously, is well known because it damn, it's not Jason. Four mm-hmm. is well known because, you know, of the special effects, and it's obviously one of the best fucking Jason movies. And then you've got. Seven, which is well known because that was the first one where Kane Hodder took the cake and everybody loved Kane Hodder as Jason. So the one with C.J. Graham in it in the middle. But I also remember growing up, I remember seeing the uh, seeing the trailers for it and stuff like that. And so it's like I'm kind of in between. So I, I put mine at a six just because of the ignorance because I couldn't put it up high because I honestly didn't know. And I didn't want to put it on the low end because, again, I honestly didn't know. So I just kind of stuck with a six.
3: Okay, Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight. I think uh, it being the first, uh, the first appearance, of zombie Jason gives it a decent score. I think Alice Cooper's song is fondly remembered against Friday Thirteenth fans. Um, I didn't give it any higher than that because if you talk to the average person, not just the hardcore horror fans like us, um, they may not be able to pick out anything specific about the movie. Uh, but I think for with its in with it's place within the series uh, it does, and what it does for the series. It
0: deserves an 8. I agree. I'm at an 8 also. I think it is a sleeper when it comes to pop culture in the sense that uh, while it's the birth of the Undead Jason, I feel like most people honestly think Undead Jason, they think Kane Hodder when they really should be giving it to Part 6 and C.J. Graham as he is the start of it, even though Kane Hodder obviously... Uh, perfected it in many people's eyes. Uh, it's also the end of the Tommy storyline, which I think is a big deal in the in the fandom of Friday the 13th. Besides Jason and his mother, Pamela, I don't think anyone gets talked about as much in the series as Tommy does. So I think that's very important. Uh, so uh, with that said, we get into the final scores. I gave it... A 114. Kenneth gave it 110. Jay gave it 116, and Venom gave it 108. So Venom gave it its lowest score, and Jay gave it the highest score. So I would say not too bad. Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. You did a good job. <laughs> and, with that being said, we will now get into a nightmare on Elm Street 6, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, or whatever the fuck you call it. Alright, so... Freddy's dead. We're getting into story. And of course, like always, we now go in reverse. Because I always like to set up so that I go first on Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Haha. <laughs> okay, so... I gave the story a 6. I actually really dig the flashback story in this. And and to be honest, that's about it. There is a lot of like really good ideas that are just not done well, which is pretty on par for a Nightmare on Ohm Street movie. Uh, The Dream Demon stuff, while very interesting, is a bit dumb looking, and I don't think we should have ever actually seen the weird flying sperm.
4: Maybe (laughs) could have kept that out.
0: Oh, Um, man. It just could have been done way better, but instead it just came off horrible. Also, the daughter twist seems to be really late in the franchise at this point, but I will take it over that fetus shit from the last one. Um, but at this point, I just have to ask how much dumb shit can be forgiven for a few small points of interest. That seems to be my overlying theme of nightmare on Elm street. Um, but I feel so strongly about the flashback Freddy that he really, really saved this movie for me and gave me enough to give half a shit about the story. And the story was better to me than part four or five. So with that being said, let's go to our local, uh, Freddie <laughs> blower, Jay. So
3: oddly enough, we have the same score. I don't <laughs> agree that it's better than four or five though. Uh, I, I agree like you that the only good parts of it are learning about Freddy's human history. A dream demon shit is stupid. Um, this this series is plagued with inconsistencies on his abilities and what he's done and this one just goes even more off the rails
0: oh yeah now Uh, the bodies fucking disappear he somehow can convince people in real life to just not remember the fucking people he's killed well yeah
3: so yeah i yeah it's i don't know it's it's really bad but the whole flashback is great see him as a kid Great seeing him kill his wife. Well, sorta of. seeing him kill his wife is great. Um, I I would love a prequel movie that just centers around all of that. That's that's some good that's some good writing there. Uh, otherwise, man, this fucking movie. I just <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> this is going to get interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Kenneth, what do you think of the story? I give the story an eight. I actually like this story. I do. I like it. And the reason why I like it is because at first I was like, okay, I don't know about this. And then I got to thinking about it. And then I talked to Jerry a little bit. And then I got to thinking about it a little more. And then I really got into it. Now, uh, with the inconsistencies of Freddy's ability aside, the foundation of this story is the reason why I gave it an 8. Because we're into the future now. It's not the same fucking hashed out shit over and over and over again. Now we're getting into the town and what Freddy has done to the town itself, overall, the whole thing. You know, it's it, it's the effect of what Freddy has done by killing off all the kids, what it's done to the, to the adults, the whole nine. I like that. I like that aspect because we're getting... It seems like that this movie is... A lot of it's taken place in the past and a lot of it is taking place in the future, because if I'm not mistaken, the beginning of the movie even said something about this is like ten years from the present. hmm You yeah. know. So, well, that's so bad so,
3: in and of itself.
1: I see, I don't think so. And so I like having the dynamic of uh of, you know, before and after. You're getting to see what happened before all of the movies, and you're getting to see what happens. At the end of all the movies, which I which I, I, I think is a cool aspect, how it was executed. Not not that great. But the the foundation of it, I thought was a really, really good idea. And I like oh. the direction that they were going with it. The end of it was terrible. I so. like seeing the empty town, too. Like, I thought that was a cool concept. But
3: there's like, how did we get there? Because in the last movie, he needed that one chick to fucking like they just They just like, you know what? Let's not explain how Freddy
1: came back.
3: He's killed everybody. There's one uh, kid left. Awesome. He can teleport the him bus through from
0: part 2, obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and see that was another thing that one time to- this this one time I didn't mind not having how he got resurrected again. Because you know what? It was just one more nail in the coffin for making this movie shitty if some some idiot would have come up with some stupid way of how he'd fucking, you know, uh it, it, if part five wasn't bad enough to have a fucking fetus and all this other kind of bullshit then they're going to come up with some other kind of way. So I'm glad they just fucking just jumped over that part because then that whoever come up with the, the next dumb idea, it probably would have made it worse.
0: Oh yeah. Well, well how they were going to bring him back in this movie is they were going to have Matthew Broderick hacked in to a John Hughes, like weird science computer. And instead of bringing, uh, a hot British chick. They were going to bring sexy back. But it caught on fire because they didn't have the right cooling system on their computer. So it came out Freddy. None of that Ugh. is true. Um, but I do have to say something on what <laughs> Kenneth said. Um, I like the idea of what they're doing with the town. I just feel like they brought it up as one cool point And then dropped it so quickly to focus on the Freddy's daughter thing. The first half of the movie makes it seem like it's really important about what's going on in this town, even though it's very confusing because, Kenneth's right, I couldn't tell if this movie was taking place in the past, present, or future. I have no fucking clue. Um, but really interesting ideas that maybe in the hands of a better screenwriter, we could have got something very, very
1: good. Because uh, hey, it seems like... Is this another one of those where a bunch of people had to finger in it?
0: Yeah, it's a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, so yes.
1: You know, apparently and
0: if I'm not... there's a version of this movie that was written by Peter Jackson.
1: Huh?
0: I'd watch the shit out of that.
1: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I know I know when they were fucking putting out that they were going to kill off Freddy in this one. People came out of the woodwork trying to come up with good fucking scripts for this.
0: Yeah, but they still couldn't pick one. So, uh, <laughs> Venom, what do you got? Um,
2: I'm sorry. I, I have to disagree with all of you. I absolutely hate this story. Uh, I gave this a four out of 10. I see Kenneth likes the fact that they skipped over, uh, Freddie's resurrection. To me, that's, that's one of two things. It's either laziness or it's, it's a lack of confidence in your writing team. And just like, just like Kenneth was saying that, you know, rather than coming up with a stupid way of resurrecting them, they just kind of glossed over it. Um, I agree that it's better to gloss over it than, than put a, you know, a stupid resurrection in there, but I still like to see the resurrections. I still, it doesn't make sense to me. Like what happened between five and six that we didn't see, obviously something happened. And obviously, you know, most fans probably aren't going to care. They're going to gloss over it, you know, like Kenneth and just be happy that he's back and we're getting another, you know, Freddy movie, but I don't know. It, it, it kind of plays the continuity for me, which is something that I hold very dear. Even even in movies that are over the top and, and absolutely just batshit insane, like movies like this, I still like to see some level of continuity. And this story has so many plot holes and so many just like the whole amnesia thing felt like a reach. The whole introdu- introduction of his daughter felt like a reach. It's kind of like when a TV sitcom... Um, when their ratings start to go down and then they have to introduce a new character in hopes of rekindling interest, it's, it's married with children, introducing that stupid little kid. What was his name? Seven. Yes. It's, it's, that's how I look at it. It's like, oh, you're introducing another story. You know, it's a plot point that isn't necessary and you're not even handling it well. Like, I I don't even think the stuff with his daughter was even handled well. Like I don't like her performance and I, I, it just, I don't know.
0: I feel su- like the uh-huh. rant you're going on is pretty much what I've said about every single movie in the franchise because <laughs> this franchise sucks at doing anything with with continuity, yes. continuity. Uh, uh, continuity, continuity, continuity. Like uh, <laughs> it is horrible at it, and, and at this point, I'm glad they didn't try to fucking do anything to show how they resurrected Freddy because it would have been fucking stupid, like a dog pissing or. Getting back to the earth because a fucking clump of cells was able to start dreaming well before its fucking time. That's Uh,
1: what I'm. That's that's exactly what I mean. I mean, it's just like it's not the fact that you know I just gloss over it because it's another Freddy movie. I mean, after the fucking goddamn absolute horrible piece of shit that came out of part five I wouldn't have cared if they just stopped right there or Wes Craven would have went straight into a new nightmare after that one but the thing about it is is you know if they're gonna do one and the and and obviously we all know that the Freddy's dead thing was a goddamn you know publicity ploy anyway if they're gonna do it then f- the fuck the resurrection thing because somebody was just gonna if if you took this movie and you didn't look at it like we're looking at it now, where you're trying where you're trying to find things that you absolutely hate or things that you absolutely like, if you're not doing that or whatever, and you just look at it the way it is, most people are probably going to look at this movie like it it wasn't the best, it was a shitty movie, but it would have been even shittier with some stupid fucking resurrection.
2: You're absolutely right, but how much better would it have been if they actually came up with something good?
1: I mean, hey, uh, obviously, their track record fucking... is bad. <laughs>
0: Six movies.
1: <laughs> okay. We, I mean, dude, know. it's, no, it's no. obvious at this point that, that, you know, if you don't have a West Craven, you know, and there's even plot holes in those, if <laughs> if you don't have a West Craven. Then goddamn, you're not gonna have anything at this current. moment, They're not gonna hire somebody. They're not gonna spend the money that's needed to have a screenwriter to come up with something good. And if they did have somebody that was cheap that came up with something good, they're not gonna pay any fucking attention to him anyway. Yeah, I mean, I saw how people love the first one. They're like, oh, they love. They'll they'll fucking suck
0: anything. Just give it to them. It doesn't matter who fucking writes it.
1: I mean, it's just it's another one of those. It's another one of those situations where the goddamn the studio. Fucking goddamn got it in its own fucking way. Yeah. That's what they always do. I'll go And with that's, that. that's exactly what this is. I mean, hell, what, wasn't the chick that directed this one, wasn't she like a casting director or something before she directed <laughs> this movie? Uh, she was a producer of the series. Uh, I, I mean, it, I knew it was something where, you know, she just kind of stepped in and was like, oh, I'm going to direct this one because I've been wanting to for fucking ever. <laughs> it, it, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, it's not like they give a shit about the series enough to matter. Um, yeah. do you have anything else to say on, uh, the, fr- the, uh, story? Um, just, <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, uh, just the whole thing with Freddie was given <laughs> this job by the dream people. That, that whole thing was just incredibly stupid to me. Uh, the introduction, or the, the whole use of 3d, which I know isn't really a story point, but I, I still hated it. Um, and I hate that scene in general. Yeah. Um, and then just the, the look of the dream people, you know, just didn't help the story. Right. You know, it, it's sometimes the visuals can kind of help you accept a story more. And in this one, the, the quote unquote dream people looked so incredibly stupid that it just it, it makes the story seem just even dumber.
0: When the live action version of Spawn does a better job of explaining how you get a job from hell, when you die, <laughs> you've got problems. Yes, absolutely. Maybe go back and rewrite that. But okay, yeah. we move in to character development. Um, I gave it a six. We just talked about how the movies like Friday Five did not do a good job of telling us why the kids are where they're at. Uh, but this one does a better job of giving hints as to why they're there. Uh, not only that, it develops Freddy in a much more interesting way. But... That's about all it does. It, it, it explains why the kids are in the uh, home for uh, fucking... I don't know, because they don't seem to have mental problems exactly. They seem to be... Just to have parent issues. That's why they're there. Um, maybe it's like a behavioral place or something like that. Um, and it does develop Freddy... In a, in a good way and in a bad way. So it was kind of harder for me because I have praise for how they did it. And then I've got a lot of reasons why, how, it, how, how, they did not do it. Um, and I felt like they did an awful job with the main chick and, uh, the starting off John Doe boy, both basically doing lazy writing by both saying they just don't remember a certain part of their life.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jay.
3: Uh, I gave it a seven, but I'm pretty much with you the whole way. Um, that seven is mainly for th- all of the Freddy stuff that we already discussed. Uh, I I I absolutely love that sequence at the end when she's hopping through his timeline. I absolutely love it, and it's a great insight into the character. Um, I wish it had been done sooner, like maybe in the first one. Like maybe the first one was like half. Him before and half him after that would have been kind of cool. Maybe too much like Shocker. Who knows? But uh, but
0: yeah, basically same things that you said. I just scored it a little higher than yours. Okay, oh, I'm getting a phone call. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, Jay, uh, the horror community wanted to let you know that you now have bonus horror cred for name dropping Shocker. Oh, uh, fucking eight! Sweet, let just me. Uh, you, just I need wanted... to leave right quick. I'm gonna go put that in the bank so I don't lose it. I need to build some interest on that. Yes, uh, you should for sure do that. Uh, Kenneth, what
1: about you? We <laughs> of the characters an eight, and I liked it because I because the the main reason why I liked it it's obviously because of the Freddy stuff. But past the Freddy stuff, I like the fact that we took the main kids, with the exception of Lisa Zane's character and John Doe. You took the kids and you gave them a serious reason for being why the why they are the way they are, you know, in other slasher films and stuff like that. We don't get it a whole lot. But you you also got the same thing in Freddy three, you know, so I like the idea of having them the way they are. You know where you where you actually learn the backstory where you got this girl that was molested by her father and that's the reason why she's all fucked up and then you got this other di- dude whose mom was a fucking absolute bitch and she goddamn you know shoved a Q-tip too far in his ear and literally caused him physical harm and then the weakest of the three which is the 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 kid that's obviously the rich boy and he just seems like he's got a problem with his dad being a dick which just seems like normal everyday shit for a lot of kids. So, you know, but I, 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 I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it, having that on there. Now, the I think the weakest character in the whole movie is the John Doe character. I fucking hated him. I wish they I wish they would have just wrote his ass out, figured out a way to just not have him there.
4: <laughs> I
1: hated him. I thought he was fucking stupid. I didn't like his acting either, but I get into that when I get there. Um, but, you know, I wish... You know, there had been more flesh out for the daughter, but I also like that too because you're still getting backstory about this character for what's going on with her. You're just not getting a whole lot of development of her as an adult, which, for in context of the story, I really don't think a lot of development of her as an adult really matters. Um, but also, there's something that I was thinking about a few minutes ago. I don't know whether this was intentional or if there's any kind of underlining issue or whatever, but all three of these kids that are getting attacked are getting attacked because of issues with their parents. But at some point in time, you know, obviously in the in the timeline, Freddie was getting back at the parents by doing stuff to the kids. But in this situation, it's the parents that are being dicks to the kids. If well, you get where I'm going with that, I, I I don't know whether there was something there or not.
3: No, this movie is not smart enough to have a deeper deeper uh, metaphorical <laughs>
0: meaning. I think they just went back to Freddie actually using uh stuff that's impactful to the kids' lives against them again after dropping it the past two movies.
1: Yeah, and see that's another thing that I really liked. I really like 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 that 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 whole scene with aside from the special effects of the dude's face, that whole scene of when you know, uh, the girl is in there and her dad walks up behind her and stuff like that. I mean, in all seriousness, that's a pretty fucked up scene. I agree. I, I do have a question, though,
0: because, you know, with, with the Nightmare movies, I always have questions. I usually save them to the end, but this one's actually kind of bothering me. Okay. Uh, the Freddy storyline is he was a child killer, in parentheses, possible molester, in parentheses, uh, who uh, killed a bunch of kids. The town of Springwood, got together, set him on fire, and killed him. Mm-hmm. In this movie, we find out that uh, sometime after he killed his wife, his daughter got taken away from him, and he says something along the lines of, N- now he's going to make them pay for taking away his daughter. Uh, and then after... That that he gets burned alive. And it almost makes it insinuate that he's getting revenge for them taking away his daughter. And starts targeting those certain people. And that's why he ends up getting set on fire. Does adding the the extra wheel in the cog of the daughter just seem like they're trying to overcomplicate his original past at this point? Because I was just like, hold the fucking phone. Can he... Like would it like one if they took away his daughter because he choked out his wife and killed her wouldn't he be in jail for that like because he got off on a technicality for killing kids not for killing his wife i need an explanation as to how this fits or is this a example of jason goes to hell where it's really hurts the backstory that has been set up in the franchise
2: See, I think yeah. the, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I don't think the screenwriters were even thinking about the lineage of Freddie when they were writing this movie, they were more concentrating on his death than his early life. So I think, I, I, I think it's just a, 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 what do you call it? A brain fart. I think they just weren't thinking about it. And they, and like you said, they ended up just putting an extra cog in there that wasn't necessary. That kind of fucks up the original mythology that they had created at the very least, fucks up the timeline a little bit because I have the same question you do. I mean, I would need an explanation as to, you know, when did the child murders happen? When did he kill his wife? When was his daughter taken away? Um, this is what I'm talking about, about the plot holes in this movie. There's just so many plot holes that I, you know, I I, I couldn't bring myself to give this a high score for story or almost any other category for that matter.
0: Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so
3: I, it's... I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, I would the way I would have to imagine it uh, with that sequence of events is he was already killing kids. I mean, we see his his room full of weapons that are covered in blood. So he's obviously already been murdering stuff. His so wife finds out he kills his wife. Maybe the state took his kid away because he was a single dad, and sometimes single dads are given a hard, you know, a bad rap. I mean, obviously he was a murderer, but I don't think they knew. He was a murderer. I think maybe. They are just like, oh, your wife's dead or your wife's missing. I don't know. We don't know if he covered it up or not. So you can't take care of your kid. But I, that's the only
0: – it's a stretch. I think I solved it. it's the it. only – oh, go ahead. I think I came up with a slightly better way. Okay. Okay. Uh, he go. kills a bunch of kids. Uh, his wife finds out. He kills his wife. Not that hard to hide that he killed his wife. Oh, wife went away on a business trip or went to go see family, blah, blah, blah. He gets caught for uh, killing kids, goes to trial – they take away his daughter. He gets off on a technicality. They probably still have enough to keep his daughter from being there. And at this point, they're probably getting suspicion about his wife being disappeared. And before they can actually catch him for the murder of his wife, uh, which they could then try him for because they... Or for new kids, the uh, town gets together and sets him on fire and kills him. Therefore the entire thing would actually work out.
1: That was actually what I was going to say after you asked, but I let Venom go ahead. I was, uh, that's actually what I was going to say. That's the theory that I came up with.
2: Okay. It, it could work, but I, I still would like to see some kind of timeline, you know, in the, in the
1: scope of the movies, see, but they are better writers. Yeah, but, <laughs> at that cur- but I, I was also going to say, in the midst of that, I mean, that ain't nothing but, you know, uh, four horror fans stretching on a damn story to try to make sense of it a- amongst ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, and I just mean,
0: adding an additional cog that was not needed. But whatever. Um, okay, so we are fucking... I don't even know where we are. Uh, give me a second. <laughs> uh, we're still in character development. Eep? Kenneth finished... I came in with my statement, uh, Venom, it is on you, character development.
2: Uh, I gave this a five out of 10, and the only reason it even gets a five is just for Freddy's backstory. I I tend to judge how well characters are developed based on how much I like or hate them. Um, if I really like a character and I feel empathy for them and I want to see them survive, then, you know, that's good writing and that's good character development. Or if I can't stand a character, but it's a character that's supposed to be hated, you know, like the standard, you know, jock douchebag or, or, you know, the slut or whatever from your horror movie hierarchy.
1: I love um, sluts.
0: <laughs> who doesn't really though god bless him um <laughs> whoa 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 <laughs> this is Satan bless him on this so sir sorry sorry cthulhu
1: i don't give a damn who blesses them <laughs> I, I bless love him. you with my dick
0: i bless the sluts down in africa <laughs> whatever works
2: Um, but yeah, uh, the introduction of most of the characters I feel was pretty lame. The introduction of our John Doe, the introduction of our deaf character, uh, rich, angry kid is angry and rich. You know, I, I just hate that whole story, that, that. Um, that th- that type of character, it's, it's been played out. It's unnecessary and stupid. And then my last thing on character development is the psychiatrist, played by Yafet Kodo, is completely wasted in this movie. Not the character, but the actor. Um, hopefully, people out there are familiar with Yafet Kodo. Um, he's a character actor, very much like a Dick Miller. He shows up in a lot of different movies. Um, us horror fans would probably recognize him um, from Alien, from the original Alien movie. Um, but I, I, I don't even know why, how he agrees to do this movie. I mean, by the, by the time this movie rolls around, he's already a pretty, um, kind of upper echelon type actor. So, I mean, they must've offered him a lot of money to do this because he doesn't usually do
1: my friend PR.
2: Oh yeah. I'll go with that. So yeah, five out of 10 for characters. I, I really felt nothing for anyone in this movie other than Freddie.
0: Okay. Uh, we moved to pacing and editing. I gave it a six. Uh, while there are some times where I feel it's a little slow, I do always feel like the movie is moving forward. I never really feel I am at a standstill. I always feel like I'm moving forward, and to me, that's that's decent pacing at the at minimum, that's decent pacing. Uh, Jay, uh, I gave it
3: a seven. I didn't really feel like there was anything wrong with the pacing. Uh, the story issues aside, it flows pretty well, I think. Um, I mean, it has to when you have so many plot holes moving the plot around, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, it really makes it go faster when you have <laughs> holes to fall through. Uh, but yeah, I uh,
3: I gave it a 7. I didn't have any problem with the editing or the pacing. All right, Kenneth.
1: I gave it a 6. There were a couple of places where I felt like it dragged on a little bit, but overall it it ran pretty good. But I, I, I just felt like it drove a couple of times, but... I gave it a six. All right. Venom. Um, I gave uh where are we pacing?
2: I gave it a five out of 10. Um, I don't have any major, major complaints about the pacing and editing, but like I mentioned earlier, when you make a movie with characters in it that I don't care about, that I can't either relate with or at least empathize with, it makes the movie feel longer. This, this is an hour and a half long movie that felt two and a half hours to me. And it's not necessarily the fault of the pacing so much as it's the fault of I didn't care. I didn't care about anything going on in this movie as much as I wanted to. But it's like every time they introduce a new character, he's just – he or she is just some over-the-top caricature that I just can't relate with. So it it tends to affect my enjoyment of the entire movie from beginning to end, which in turn makes the movie feel longer. So I – I know you guys might disagree with with that as far as actually pacing and editing or at least mentioning that in the pacing and editing section. But, yeah, that's just how I feel. When I don't care about anybody in the movie, it it feels like it takes three hours to get through. So, yeah, uh, five out of ten for me.
0: I will say uh, I ended up watching the second time because I actually watched this, like, what, Kenneth, was it like a day or two after we recorded part five? Yes. Um, I watched it – and I was actually way higher on the movie, and it might be because I had just watched Part Five, which to me it, so far is the worst movie in the franchise by far. Yeah. Um. So when I watched it again this week, and now it's been like two weeks, uh, you know, I had to go back in and redo all of my scores after noticing a lot more. Um, and I will agree with Venom. It's it was harder to sit down and watch the movie the second time because I don't care as much about the characters. I'm not coming off a super bad movie and it was a lot, uh, but I do feel like it it moved forward. So I don't think a five is much different than my six on this one. Yeah. Uh, atmosphere. Uh, I gave it a five. Like every other nightmare on Elm street movie, uh, the atmosphere is disjointed. Uh, while the flashbacks build up this really super creepy, atmosphere it's of course ruined by Looney Tunes Um, (laughs) fucking just constantly Freddy ruins his own atmosphere and he always does by either doing something uh, goofy that he thinks is creepy like in part one when he does his long arm of the law scraping thing not creepy it looks stupid Uh, and in this movie him fucking pushing up the spikes so that the kid can fall on it or the hitting the brakes on the bus as the kid flies through and breaks through the glass and it's the fucking cartoon outline. Ugh,
3: so many bugs bunny moments in this movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: it didn't. It doesn't work for me at all. Like with Jason Liz, there's a couple of Looney Tunes things in there also. but there's only like two or three and they're very spread out. So it's not like in your face constantly. In this movie, it's fucking constant. And because of that, it drags the atmosphere down. If it wasn't for how strong the flashback stuff is between Freddie and then the flashback stuff with Carlos's mom and then the chick's dad, I probably would have been even lower. But that stuff is strong enough to hold a steady five. Jay?
3: All right. So I gave the atmosphere an eight, and I gave it an eight for a couple of different scenes and kind of just ignored everything else. <laughs> um,
0: that is the only way scene, to make the movie
3: better. Yes. Yeah, the, the end sequence uh, I felt was great. After, after the stupid CG, when she's finally inside his brain, um, I felt those clips were done perfectly. I feel like they must have had some kind of freelancer on staff that day, and he's like, I got this. And they're like, that's fantastic. Too bad the rest of the movie's already done. Um, I thought that was great. The scene with uh, the blonde chick and Freddie's pretending to be her dad, that was b- before the kung fu match. <laughs> that was original Freddie. That was that was creepy as fuck. Uh, she's reliving her trauma of being molested, and it's just, it's all gross. The whole set is gross. The dad is gross. It's just, it makes you feel gross until they start kung fu fighting. Um because, you know, every good horror movie needs a kung fu scene. Um, but those two alone really, really did it for me, I felt. Uh, so I, I kind of shot high on this one because of those two really stood out to me, and I gave it
0: an eight. All right, Kenneth.
1: I gave it a seven, and pretty much for the same reasons. I thought the, the thing where uh, girls get molested or was gonna or whatever, that was, that was really that was really fucked up and then the uh the scene with carlos i thought that was really creepy um i thought the the ambiance i would i'd be in the town the way it looks because if you were to walk around in a town like this the town itself looks creepy so i gotta give it i got i gotta give it credit for those so that's the reason why i gave it a seven i probably would have i probably would have came in just a little bit weaker but though those really stood out to me
0: all right venom
2: all right, atmosphere. I'm right with you, Jer. Uh, I gave it a five out of ten, and uh, for the exact same reason that you said that every time something starts to get tense and actually mildly creepy, Freddy shows up and just completely ruins it. Um, the Carlos kill is a perfect example of that. I I, I thought it started out really cool with uh, you know the flashback of his mother and the Q-tip, but it's like once Freddy shows up, like that's it. Like all the tension is gone. And suddenly it's just a slapstick routine, and um, which is really too bad. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you on Atmosphere, 5 out of 10.
0: Alright, we go to Scenery Set Design. Uh, I give this a 7. Um, for, uh, Nightmare has always done a really good job, except for you, number 5, of having a good <laughs> set. The Dream Worlds are more varied in this one than, than part 5, and it looks really good. I do have one complaint, which is why it dropped from an 8 to a 7. While Springwood does look creepy, there are certain shots where it just looks like a set. Like, mm-hmm. if we're gonna talk about, like, a fucking, when uh, they're driving the van around and going in circles, there's this one thing where they're doing a turn, not the four-way stop turn, but they're coming around the corner turn, where it's just, like, you can see clear, like, out that it's obviously a fucking set um but i was happy to see that we did actually get some better dream world places on this one even though i will say uh stoner boy who apparently has peyote in his weed that was a bit of a cop out even if it was a video game they did not even try with that one Mm -hmm. um jay
3: I thought I just went. We're yeah. moving through these ones quick. Uh, scenery Set to yeah. sign. Uh, I gave it an eight. Uh, I agree with most of your points. I felt like uh, all the sets were really good. They were definitely way more varied uh, than part five. Um, again, I have to. I have to go back to the kitchen uh, with the uh, the blonde chick. That was. I don't know. It makes me want to take a shower. Uh, up into the point where they start fucking kung fu fighting. <laughs> Everybody was kung um,
0: fu fighting. I felt like his uh, his
3: house uh, looked the best it's looked in a while. Uh, so maybe they should have had the set, set designers write the movie too. Then maybe it would have
1: had a decent story.
0: <laughs> That's a valid point. Uh,
1: Kenneth. I gave it a nine. I really like the scenery. I thought the uh, I thought the sets looked really good. Again, going back to uh, the 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 apartment building that Carlos was in when he was doing his dream, um, I really liked uh, you know the way they did the the inside of the apartment. But one of my favorite set designs was Freddy's backyard. I oh really, yeah, I really like that because it's got that whole suburbia white picket fence very clean very you know it's it, it definitely portrays just in the set itself that oh my god he's the nice guy that lives next door and he's got the beautiful house and stuff like that and then underneath it all literally is the the fact that he's a killer and his room of just absolute violence
0: yeah 100 he's john wayne <clears throat> Gacy. you would go yeah. drink lemonade in his backyard and what you don't know is the basement is filled with a bunch of corpses.
1: Yeah. And that that is my favorite set. Because I thought the they use that that didn't even really have an atmosphere. It's just when you look at it and they use that set to convey an emotion. It wasn't really even an atmosphere, it was just the set to convey it. And if you'd have caught it, you know, being people like you or me, Jerry, that are into serial killers and now from what I'm learning about Venom, he is too you know is one of those things that you can that really hits home when you when you learn about serial killers so i really enjoyed that so i gave it a 9
0: all right venom what do you got
1: um scenery wait scenery right
0: yes sir
2: yeah scenery set design i gave this a 6 out of 10 which is actually a fairly high score for me as i'm not the biggest fan i'm kind of with you jerry i'm not the biggest nightmare on elm street uh, aficionado or fan. Uh, I am, I've seen them all. I, you know, I, I, I can take bits and pieces out of all of them that I enjoy, but I definitely am more, you know, a Jason or a Michael, but based on that, I, I thought the set design and scenes were, um, above average here. Um, and I'm right there with Kenneth. I absolutely loved, uh, Freddie's house. It definitely was kind of striking. Like it, it, like when they first showed it, it doesn't look like the house that I pictured. You know frederick krueger living in um you know based on his crimes and everything else so it, you know it, it was a, it was a cool little change of pace um as far as the dream world scenarios go uh some of them looked really really cool uh like carlos's death like kenneth mentioned but uh, a couple of others really didn't do a whole lot for me the stoner Death, I don't know. I just found it really, really hokey. All the Nintendo stuff just completely took me out of the movie. Um,
1: but I don't not, know whether you've noticed, but I haven't even brought that up. I know. <laughs>
2: um, so, you know, I this is one of the higher scores I gave this movie of, of all the uh, criteria that we look at. But it's still at best above average for me. So 6 out of 10.
0: All right. We go to acting. Uh, I gave it a six. There's nothing that bad in this movie, but nothing great. It's not good acting, but it is good acting for a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So that's that's all I got to say about that. Jay? Uh,
3: acting, I also gave a six. So we are right on the same page. Um, Freddy's, or Robert England, I should say, is obviously the highlight here uh besides i didn't think anybody was bad but there are definitely some like uh okay moments Uh, i did like the cameos in this one i liked uh alice cooper i thought he did a good job as freddy's adopted dad i assume
0: stepdad stepdad
3: there you go um you think i'd know that being the the freddy fan um
0: but i like to be fair i do a lot of research after the movies that's true. So that's how I um, to keep up with
3: all that. I also liked I like Roseanne and Tom Arnold's uh, cameo. I thought that was funny. Um, I really actually it always just stood out to me. I really like Tom Arnold's delivery of the line. You know they bring him like I don't. I, I felt that was really it always stood out to me. Um, Johnny Depp having died in the first one as a character and coming back because he was now popular. Uh, more, even more popular by doing uh, movies and Twenty One Jump Street and stuff. Doing the uh, "This Is Your Brain on Drugs" ad and the getting frying pan to the face. I thought that was pretty. That was pretty funny. So yeah, six.
0: All right,
1: Kenneth. Also coming in with a six. I mean, there were there were aspects of it where, you know, it's like I thought I enjoyed the backstory of the characters and stuff like that. I just didn't think they, they executed them to their best. There were moments where I was just like, okay, y'all really sound corny. Um, the guy that plays John Doe, his acting was fucking terrible. Um, I didn't really think Lisa Zane's acting was that great either. But uh, John Doe's acting really, really made me cringe sometimes. Um, I but, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he, to me, like I go back to what I said before. To me, he's the worst thing about the movie. He's the worst thing. I just do not like it. And and there's this one scene that gets me more than anything else with the John Doe character, and that's when uh, he walks into the room and sees himself in the straitjacket and the fucking and and himself turns around and says, "Free me, you idiot! I'm your fucking memory." I'm just like, oh god, man, that's just fucking terrible. Just leave that out.
0: You know what, I kind of really like that scene. I don't know why, but I do. I actually don't have a problem with his acting at all.
1: I can't stand it. I I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. The same thing when he's in there, the first time that he's in there, and he's just like, uh, do you have, uh, uh, you know, some uh, caffeine pills, whatever, a Coke, um, uh, some Coke, and I mint, the soda. I was just like, oh, God, you're fucking terrible.
0: All right, Mm -hmm. then. Uh, Venom.
2: Uh, I'm coming in lowest again on this one. And I'm giving this a four out of 10. And the only, again, I, I can't pick out a good performance in this movie as far as acting goes. I hate the deaf kid. I hate the rich douche. I hate the stoner. I hate Freddy's daughter. I mean, I literally am not. And I've already mentioned it earlier that I'm just not on board with almost anybody's characterization in this movie. And I'm even going to disagree with what Jay said about Robert England. Robert England, to me, sounds like he's not 100 percent invested in this movie when I watch it. Like I look I look at Robert England's performance in like one, two and three where he's really into it and he's really lively. This one felt forced. It felt like all his one liners, like they felt like even he didn't like them, that he was just kind of spitting them out. Uh, Just to collect a paycheck or whatever. And it could be totally just me. Maybe I'm the only one that got that vibe. But it just felt like, you know, with the whole Nintendo stuff, like sitting there watching him with a controller playing the game. That's that's dumb as shit. I'm sorry. I just I couldn't get into it. It's not scary. It's 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 not even creepy. It's just dumb. Like I couldn't even laugh. I know they were going for a comedy, but it just didn't do anything for me. So. Uh, acting, I, I like I said, I can't pick out one performance other than Yafet Koto, who is above average in this film. Uh, as I mentioned already, he's a great actor who's done a lot better roles than this. But um to me, he's the high point of this, and he's really the only point because even, like I said, even Robert England, to me seems disinterested. So I'm sticking with a four out of ten for acting.
3: See, I blame that more on the writing. Yes, I, than, I totally agree. And his right. acting, yep. per se,
2: but I think because because he didn't like the writing, the enthusiasm wasn't there. He wasn't he wasn't as into speaking these lines as he was in like one and three because he I, I think he just liked those scripts a little bit better. And plus, the character was still fairly new, you know. So he's still learning, you know, how he wants to portray it and everything. And now here, it's the sixth movie. I can, I can kind of see why the same person didn't play Jason in every single Friday the 13th movie. Because eventually that's got to get boring
3: as hell. And even know, I'd have fun doing that.
2: Uh, I See, that's easy to say. But to actually do it for six, seven, eight movies in a row, I think as an actor, th- that would probably get to you after a while. On top of the fact that you're typecast for the rest of your
3: life. But that's another story. Well, fucking Kane Hodder eats that shit up. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's all he can do. <laughs> I mean, you know who he else? hits not? it up a little off topic. Uh, the guy who played the Green Ranger, he's been riding the Power Ranger fucking fan wave his entire life. <laughs> that is that is the one who fights? Yeah. Is that the
2: one who's MMA fighter, Jason yeah, okay. David yeah. Frank,
3: and yes. I love him. I have his autograph. I met him at a con. He's he's incredibly nice to his fans. But he is his entire career is hey,
0: I was a Green Ranger. To be fair. If I had the opportunity to just do one role and then for the rest of my life, my career would just be going to conventions, I'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
3: Because I, I mean, think, think we about would. It. Yes.
0: If you can make enough money per month, just hitting like two conventions a month, you'd be fucking set, man. It'd be fucking good. You work two weekends out of the month and then just ran do random, pl- like random shit for publicity. Be perfect. One hundred percent. I do that. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm hoping this podcast gets good enough I can do God. that. I'd fucking <laughs> love that. Oh, and here we have Kill the Cast on our special panel. Like, sweet. <laughs> and joining them is Robert
3: England. He's like, what the fuck did you say about my acting if Freddy's dead? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's... Oh, fuck me. Okay. Uh, we moved to special effects. Um, I gave it a six. Uh, I think it's better than the last movie, but I still think Freddy looks kind of bad. And, um, there's a few things that look okay, uh, but I don't think they went out of their way to do anything special. Um, a lot of the CGI that's in this movie looks awful. I just, I don't, I feel like there's enough here to justify the six, but there's not enough to talk about, to explain it. (laughs) That makes sense to everyone. Uh, It makes sense. I disagree,
3: but it makes sense. Uh, I shot high on this one like I did with Atmosphere. I gave it an 8. Freddy's makeup was a little off. uh, Not as bad as it was in 5, I think. Um, However, the special effects that we do get, whether regardless of why they're there, I think were done really well. Um, I liked... His uh, having the dude's face get smashed after she beats her dad with the coffee pot, I thought that looked really well done. Um, The guy's ear implant, uh, the hearing aid after the mutated one that Freddy gives him, I thought looked really well. Um, The practical effects when he's getting the shit kicked out of him at the end. Uh, The only only thing that didn't really work uh, special effects-wise was the 3D because uh, this thing was advertised as a 3D movie. Um, it doesn't actually go into 3D until the ending sequence, which she puts on the 3D glasses when you're supposed to. I watched it once on the on the DVDs, and it's old red and blue 3D. Um, and I think that's the only thing that doesn't work, because then they start filming scenes specifically for the 3D, and they get really, really stupid. But everything else I thought was was great.
0: All right,
1: Kenneth? On the special effects, I swung on this one. Um, I gave it an eight, and I think the, reason why the
3: exact same thing I just said. That'd be funny, Right,
1: <laughs> but I was, I, I actually there's pieces of it where I wish I'd have went a little lower, and because you're right, the 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 scenes, the CGI at the end of it with the dream demons and shit like that looks fucking ridiculous. It looks stupid. Um, I actually really did not like the father's face after she beat the fuck out of him with a coffee pot. I really didn't like that. It looked like somebody took flesh colored Play-Doh and put it on his face and moved it around. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it looked like. So, but well, to be
0: fair, they spent their entire budget on the script.
1: (laughs) But, but also when Carlos's head exploded, I like that. You know, I like the way that the thing looked in the side of his head. I like that. If you watch past the dream demons and past Freddy's head at the end of it when he explodes, his explosion looks fucking awesome. You just got to fucking look past his head flying at you. That's fucking ridiculous. Because I did that earlier when I had the movie going. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this and I'm not going to fucking pay attention to that stupid shit that's coming at me. And I watched it. That's It looks great. It really looks good. So I liked his explosion um i like the practical effects like jay said um i thought the uh when he's pulling the crowbar out of his hand it's on his chest i like that um so it's kind of a it's kind of back and forth but i just kind of you know looking back on it now i probably would have brought it down a point or two but i still have reasons for having higher ones so it's kind of a back and forth
0: all right venom <laughs>
2: Once again, I am the voice of (laughs) dissent. I am giving special effects a four. Trust me,
0: I talked to your parents. You've been the voice of disappointment for a long time. (laughs) I am an only child. I probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway.
2: (laughs) Um, Some people learn from their mistakes. There you uh, go. Uh, uh, Anyway, special effects. I I just about don't like any of the special effects in here. Just to run through the list. Uh, Freddy's, Freddy's introduction. Uh, the Wizard of Oz intro, holy shit. That just <laughs> did not look good. Anything in the movie that's green screen looks like shit. When uh, when the kid's walking up the invisible staircase, it looks god-awful. When the stoner is pulled into the television, that's laughable. I mean, even by 1991 standards, that looks like crap. Um, what else? Uh, well, Freddie, which we've already discussed, Freddie does not look that great. And last but not least is the, um, you know, the 3D section, which I did not do what Kenneth did. It's it's just kind of hard. I did not watch it in 3D. I watched it in 2D, which makes it look even worse. I mean, that scene is just laughable in 2D, but I did not do what Kenneth did and tried to watch it uh, without thinking about the head because the head flies right at you. You know, it's the center of attention, uh, you know, on the screen. It's the point of focus. So it's it's really, really hard. I will give it another shot, but I, I can't imagine I'm going to suddenly like the way it looks in 2D by ignoring the head.
1: But, you know, I, I just. it's not. And see, I'm not talking about like from a 3D aspect. Sure, sure. Just, it's just the explosion itself. It's It's just the explosion itself. Yeah. It, yeah, looks, it looks cool, but like, yeah, it, and I understand where you're coming from. It is very difficult not to pay attention to that head. But I've watched this movie so many times that I was just like, I am going to enjoy this explosion. <laughs> Fuck that stupid head that's coming at you. Yeah.
4: Fuck
1: them little goddamn, as Jerry put it, the flying sperms. Oh god, the sperm. That just I
2: I didn't even get to the dream people. That just like, awful, awful I'm just sequence. Saying, the sh-
0: the shit. The the sperm looks like if if the cyber demon from doom jacked off, (laughs) that's the sperm that would come out and you would have to shoot. It's kind of like the, the fucking, uh, lost souls that shoot out at you in doom from the pain elementals, except it's the cyber demon fucking, just fucking jacking off with his non rocket launcher hand (laughs) shooting, uh, uh, sperm demons at you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't I just
2: can't justify any of the special effects in this movie as being quality effects. I mean, you know, to each his own. um, But it's like, uh, you know, I still I I guess I got spoiled by the first like three nightmare movies and how the effects were kind of minimalist, but they worked. And then it, it seems like as the as the budget for the movies with subsequent sequels kept getting bigger and bigger, they just relied on more CG And, you know, until New Nightmare, at least it seems like New Nightmare embraced uh, practical effects a little bit more. Anyway, it still had a share of CG, but not not nearly what we see in this movie. So, yeah, yeah. but
1: the CG looks better in New Nightmare also. Yes, absolutely.
2: No, you're absolutely
1: right. Um, Like the, the, (laughs) the CGI that's incorporated in the set design for fucking New Nightmare was fantastic. Definitely. I totally agree with that. I mean, New Nightmare is
2: just head and shoulders above this movie. But um, yeah, special effects, 4 out of 10 for me.
0: You know what joke I really like from this movie? When John Doe's sitting on the bed and he's like, that's it. Nothing will get me off this bed. And then the bed light's on fire. Huh. Yeah. That joke <laughs> is actually really good. So there's a few jokes
3: that I had that actually land really well with me. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, at the beginning when the old lady says, don't be a pussy, that always got a chuckle out of me. <laughs> Um, when Spencer starts jumping up and down in front of everybody and he goes, what do you think
0: that is, rational? That makes me chuckle. (laughs) I think that's it. Yeah, I like. I I can get behind those jokes. All right, we move on to kills slash gore. I gave it a six. Um, It's lacking here, but at least the kills actually have to do with the kids' personalities, and that's a big, big plus. Uh, There's usually not a lot of kills in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, but it's usually about how inventive the kills are. This one actually has a a, a bit more kills because there's two kills in flashbacks with uh, Freddy killing his stepdad and then Freddy killing his wife. Uh, also killing a hamster if you're into that. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, at least the kills have something to do with what's going on with the kids. Carlos' death to me is the best is the best death. Just because it's so so entwined with his past that it's great. Um, John Doe's death is pretty much stupid. Him falling on the spikes. Mm -hmm. The only part of that death is so we can shove in an M. Night Shyamalan twist. (laughs) Um, That's another Bugs Bunny
3: one. When he fucking pushes it and he's breathing heavy and shit. I'm like, come on.
0: Yeah, for real. Um, And then, obviously, the video game death is super lacking. Mm. And I don't like Freddy's death at the end of this. Um, Me either. I uh, Look, sometimes explosions are cool. Explode yeah, a rock. shark underwater. Badass. You can do that multiple times and every single time. I will enjoy it. But for Freddy's death, he looks at the camera and he's like, kids. And it, like a fucking sitcom dad from the (laughs) 90s and then he gets blown up I'm just groaning the entire time also when did this bitch who can't even remember uh, who her original parents are get so good in the real world at throwing fucking daggers it don't matter man
1: (laughs) she had the 3D glasses on
0: (sighs) oh yeah let me go put on 3D glasses so I can get better at tricking myself into thinking the nightmare movies are good
4: there you go. Whatever yeah. it works,
0: man. Fucking In Jesus your dream, they can Christ. do whatever you want them to. <laughs> yeah, you know what they you know what they are in my dreams? I'm I'm basically the stone kid staring at a blank screen. I don't have to see shit. I just think I'm watching a Freddy movie, but a blank screen is better. Uh anyway, Jay, what did you think of the kills and gore in this movie? Uh I gave it a 6. Um because they all get st- <laughs> silly
3: and i just like and they're not cool they're not fun like i like we talked about this last time but i like the overeating um you know scene in five i thought that was despite its flaws i thought that was a cool concept and here it's just the fucking bugs bunniness of it like even carlos is where he's dropping the pins which also huge plot hole him screaming would also make his head explode you can't (laughs) like Freddie's pins sound like cannonballs dropping or being fired, but when he's fucking screaming, it doesn't affect him whatsoever. Or him stomping around on that metal grate, that like, there's so much wrong with everything. And then like the uh, the kung fu fight when he tries to kill the the blonde chick, and him just not getting straight to the point
0: with the uh, the therapist dude, it's just. Uh, but Jay, I, it's a dream world, and it's his uh, rules. Yes. That's the excuse we use for every Freddy movie. This one, like, totally throws – there's, like,
3: no continuity whatsoever when it comes to his abilities. Like, in this one now, he's, like, warping actual reality, why people are – like, he's making them turn the wrong way because he wants them to end up at their house, and he can make the house look like a regular house outside in the real world because he has those powers – People disappear, which could be like metaphorical for them falling asleep. But then we don't like the bodies end up in different rooms later. Uh, Spencer's moving the fuck around, which like it's not a virtual reality; it's a dream. <laughs> I just, it's just bad all around. Hey, um, I
0: agree with you. Like even when uh fucking uh black dude from Alien pulls a piece of the sweater out, and he's like, "Look, I pulled a piece of the sweater. I know how we can get him." I'm just in there like. Yeah, we've known this for fucking five movies. Yeah, but he doesn't. Uh, this is a new town. They've never even encountered Freddy before. But either I know, way, no. But it just seems like to the audience, like you're like I'm just like you're just rehashing at that point. And then the the weird part is, then the dude starts going in about how he should be getting paid more for doing this because they shouldn't have to listen to some fucking John Doe kid. Who's uh fucking... This is an alien joke that's not working about him bitching about how much money he gets.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice try. <laughs> yeah. A for
3: effort. But uh, yeah. No, I, I gave it a six. I don't know if I said that out loud yet. Okay. Kenneth.
1: I gave it an eight and I don't even know why. Oh, well, let us know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I'm, don't even know why he
1: said it. I'm, I'm being perfectly honest. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it and I'm like, why would I give this an eight? And now I'm trying to really remember why I give it to eight. I like Carlos's death. I think that one was probably the best one, even with the, the problems that Jay said. Um,
0: yeah, because at least it's personal.:
1: Right. But I'm sitting here trying to think of it because fucking Spencer's death was absolutely awful.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. John God. Doe's death sucked. Be like me. Uh, yeah. be like me. The three really, the three best kills are all dream kills with the stepdad the wife, and the hamster.
1: Right. And I really dig the wife's death. Yeah, when he shakes her to death? Oh, he bangs her up against the tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I like that one because there was a lot of realism in it. So uh, I'm stuck with an eight, and I don't know why. Uh, Proceed.
0: Okay, Venom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Kills, 5 out of 10.
2: Not a big fan of most of the kills in this movie. Carlos's death is probably the best one, but I still felt like it took a little bit too long. They definitely dragged that one out longer than it needed to. Um, And then the rest of them, like we said, skydiving death was stupid. Uh, Most of the other ones are just okay. Um, I I thought the wife's death was... You know, average to above average, you know, it it was it was fairly cool. At least it was grounded in reality, which is something that we don't see in Nightmare on Elm Street movies that often Uh, just a, a death that's just, you know, very grounded in reality. So I'll take it. But, you know, and then Freddy's death, I guess, if if we're going to count that in the kills gore category, just, yeah, I've already, I've already voiced my opinion on it. I didn't like the way it looked. I don't like the way it plays out, especially in 2D. I did see the movie in theaters in 3D, but I don't remember. I remember hating the movie as a whole when I walked out of the theater, but I don't remember um, what my opinion of the final scene was in a theater in 3D. So, um I'll reserve judgment on that one. But in 2D, I still feel like it looks awful. Um, But, uh, but I'm also with Jerry on the fact that the kills kind of match the, uh, the character. Uh, I like that. They, you know, Rather than trying to get the most over-the-top original kill they could think of, they tried to think of kills that actually, you know, would would have some kind of emotional weight with the with each individual character. So I'm totally down for that, and that's probably where most of my score comes from. So that's my five out of ten for kills.
0: All right, monster slash killer. I give it a six. I still cannot get behind Freddy. He sucks. He's awful, but goddamn if living Freddy is not fucking awesome. Uh so the 6 points go entirely to real life Freddy, uh flashback Freddy, whatever you want to call him. Uh big daddy Freddy. As, Ooh, yeah, uh, choke you, daddy. Yeah. Uh be careful, Jay. Some some children have said that to him on accident. Hey. <laughs> uh the, not an accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I saw a Star Wars m- meme. I thought it was okay. I didn't know he'd really do it. I thought we were acting. we um, the hell. T- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I, the entire six points go to Flashback Freddy. Uh, Jay. Um,
3: let's see, Monster Killer. I gave it a seven. Um, I I I always like Freddy. He's the reason that I like these movies so much. Regardless of the the technical issues that these movies have surrounding him, I always think he's, like, incredibly entertaining. Um, wasn't perfect in this one, uh, mainly because they turned him into Bugs Bunny, but those flashbacks really make up for it, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I landed on a 7 with him.
0: All right, Kenneth.
1: I gave him a 5.
0: Man, oh, I'm, my heart.
1: I, yeah, dude, I <laughs> This is uh, this is where it, it it shifts. You know what I'm saying? This is where I'm starting to shift from having higher scores to having lower scores. Um, when it really comes down to it, okay, his makeup looked terrible. The five points that I gave is for... I, I, I basically did it like Jerry did. I broke it in half. You've got fucking uh, Living Freddy and you've got fucking Dream Freddy. Okay? Dream Freddy really doesn't get a score from me because... You know, I mean, it's just basically, I mean, it's a rehash and more cartoony of, of the Freddy from part five, you know, I mean, he's still doing the one liners and the one liners are not getting any better. The, 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 and I'm a huge fan of Looney Tunes and the Looney Tunes aspect of it just was not doing it for me. You know, like, like after fucking, uh, the scene with Carlos was fantastic. Nice hearing from you, Carlos. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Look, blue. really, that was
1: really good
0: but, uh, that but was either,
3: good 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 job
0: yeah not the scene I'm like your voice of
3: yeah fact. no I know I'm agreeing with you
0: we need to cut that out and make it into uh to something
1: I appreciate that but the point is is that it it blew it it blew that scene and I'm like what the fuck, man you know and then him doing goddamn you know uh 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 fucking roundhouse kicks and shit like that. I'm like, "Uh, what? And then rehashing the fucking finger cutting off thing. I'm just, all this shit, it just just threw me out of it. It was like, oh my God, man, why why can't y'all just leave him alone and let him be a badass? Stop (laughs) making him a fucking cartoon character. Stop turning him into, as Jay puts it, stop turning him into Bugs Bunny. That's not who he is. That's not where he came from. Huh. And, and it's like, I want him to just leave him the fuck alone. Like, okay. Uh, the best thing that they need to do is write it in the script and Freddy comes <laughs> in and Robert England just takes it and does what he needs to do. Let's not put the humor in there. Let's let Robert England fucking goddamn get angry, get back to where he was when he first started the franchise and fucking goddamn be Freddy Krueger.
0: Yeah, let's do another part two. <laughs> part two was fantastic. Exactly. I'm being dead
1: serious. It's so the most... It's a, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but... I mean, and that's where I'm at. I mean, it just... It, it, it fucking... Dream Freddy ruined the movie. Fucking Living Freddy was great. Yeah. You know, and, and I just can't... I, and, and then the makeup looks shitty, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, Venom.
1: Uh, same as Kenneth
2: five out of 10. And for a lot of the points that he mentioned, plus stuff that I said earlier with Robert England, like I said, feeling like he kind of phoned this performance in, uh, there's the makeup effects on Freddie that look, you know, less impressive than we're used to. Um, and just the just the gluttony of one liners that just they they get more unfunny one after another after another. Like, I don't even think I chuckled once at anything Freddie said in this movie, which that definitely goes against the norm for me, because, like I said, I was a huge fan of the, of the first like three nightmare movies. I started to wane a little bit around four and five. Um, but then New Nightmare definitely brought me right back in. But the point is, I am a fan of Freddy, but I think this is just one of the worst Freddies we've ever seen. Just, uh, you know, terrible one-liners, terrible, you know, uh, uninspired kills. Uh, there's just not really a lot of positive stuff I can say other than for real-world Freddy. I'm, I'm right there with everybody else. That real-world Freddy... You know, we only get him for like five minutes, but it's just so effective. And and to to get to see Robert England actually act is just amazing as well, too. So, yeah, a five out of 10 for me for our uh, monster killer.
0: All right. Uh, we go on to hero. Uh, I gave it a five because once again, this is a movie where it kind of jumps around who the hero is. I like John Doe. I'm a fan of John Doe. And uh when it switches from him to uh the chick i was pretty bummed out i didn't care for her whatsoever uh so i just gave it a fight i don't really even have anything to say about it because i don't think it did that good of a job um at who the hero was because it kind of sacrifices it to do the twist and just kind of forces you you know for kenneth it probably works because he's like fuck yes john doe is dead Get him out of here. Get to the chick. But for me, I was like, oh, man, not that chick. Give me back the penis. I like that guy. <laughs> um, Jay? Uh, I gave it a seven. I thought it was
3: pretty clear-cut who the hero was uh, for each section of the movie, I should say. So John Doe is obviously the hero up into the point. The twist is revealed, and then What's-Her-Face becomes the hero, Um Neither of them were crazy spectacular. I probably should have scored this a little bit lower. Um, but I didn't really have all that much issue with either of them. I mean, the issues the issues I have are more with the other categories that we've already gone through, not so much the two people who were presented as
1: heroes.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Kenneth?
1: I'm going with the number five. I, did, I, I mean, it's like, I, I, Jerry, you were 100%. When I was I was so glad when John Doe was gone. Um, so, you know, I really, really liked the flow into Lisa Zane. But then again, you know, her, her, she didn't execute it very well. I mean, her character was kind of not real, not really her character. Her acting was kind of like cardboardish to me. And so getting into it, I was just like, eh, so I gave her a five because it's like of her level of badassery that was very, very ill, very, very wrongly placed by the <laughs> by the by the writers and stuff like that. But it was still badassery that was cool at the end of it to me, but it still shouldn't have been there. So I just gave it the five points for that.
0: All right, Venom.
2: Um, I gave this one or oh, hero. Yeah. Um, I gave it a four out of 10. I, I've already said I didn't like her from the start. I don't think she's a good actress. Um, nothing about her performance really compelled me to really want to be on her side or, you know, have show any kind of empathy for her or cheering for her or anything like that. Um, I gave a, I of the four that I gave it, I gave it a four out of 10 of that, of the four points. Some of it do go to John Doe. Um, As much as I hated his character, at least I felt that even though he was suffering from amnesia, which I can't stand that plot point, but even though he was suffering from amnesia, it still seemed like he was very willing to do what he needed to do to help the group, to help him regain his memories, blah, blah, blah. Um, So, so like I said, a couple of the points of that four go to John Doe. And then a couple of points uh, just because Freddie's daughter wasn't bad to look at. But that's
3: about it. <laughs> Question. Do you hate the amnesia plot point in all movies or are you just talking specifically for this one? Um, I'm saying not. Well, I'm, I'm going to say all movies,
2: uh, all newer movies, because it's just such a played out plot point. I mean, no one's done anything great with uh, amnesia since Memento. And since then it just, oh, man, to
3: memento was so good.
2: oh yeah. And since then it just all feels like um, memento ripoffs or just lazy writing. Cause that's the thing. Amnesia as a story plot point is like a blank check for a writer. They can basically write in anything they want now on the personality of a character, on their strengths, their weaknesses, everything else, because nothing's been established. They have amnesia. They don't know who they are. So I I feel like it's just lazy writing, in my opinion, especially in a movie like this. They could have come up with something a lot more original um, and something that has more to do with, you know, uh, you know, dreams, lack of sleep, um, you know, whatever the case may be. I know they've done it before, but I mean, ultimately, that's Freddie's thing. You know, we're dealing with the dream world. We're dealing with our inability to dream comfortably um, if you're one of the Elm Street children. So. I, you know, I just feel like um, they didn't really do much with that. So, yeah, again, sorry. (laughs) I'm coming in. I'm coming in lower than anybody. (laughs) And I tried so hard. I really, really tried hard on this one, guys. I wanted to like this. And admittedly, I did like this one more than any other watch before. I didn't walk away hating this movie the way I did when I saw it in theaters. But I still can't say that I genuinely enjoyed it. Let's just say I didn't necessarily regret watching it, but otherwise I can't pull too many positives out of this. So it, yeah. So
0: it's okay. You if you hear what I said about part five. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I've massacred that. Uh, <laughs> but fun fact about Memento, if you watch it backwards, it's definitely not Hollow Man. <laughs> um all right. Score and soundtrack, I gave this a six because it's same as always, I guess. Uh Jay.
3: <laughs> uh i gave it an eight and i don't i this is a kenneth moment now i don't remember why i gave it an eight sweet is there, we'll get done faster is there, is there a song like an actual song in here because usually i don't score the soundtrack tie unless there's an actual like a real song with lyrics oh yeah uh
0: fucking it's um does alice cooper have a song in here uh, (laughs) no it's that fucking song uh i think we're alone now wait no that's not right (laughs) oh god i don't know i it got an eight there you go okay kenneth
1: I gave it an eight also. Well,
3: what did you need to give an eight? Maybe I have the same
1: reasons. (laughs) I gave it an eight for two reasons. Number one, they took the original theme at the beginning and they made it more orchestral than just a piano. And number two, because they blended in the original theme with A Night at Bald Mountain, which is the song at the end of Fantasia where the demon is coming out of the mountain and he's pulling the ghost and shit. that's exactly why I gave it an eight. Yes, that was fucking fantastic. I love the blend that they did with that at the beginning where they put the original Freddy theme into it. And if you listen to it, like, there's a spot, but right before he goes to Rolling Down the Hill in the opening credits, right before he goes to Rolling Down the Hill, it it slows down and it goes into the into the normal nightmare theme. And then when he starts rolling down the hill, A Night on Bald Mountain comes up again. And, and that to me, I thought was fantastic. And there, and there are aspects where they use the orchestral version of the original nightmare theme throughout the, throughout the rest of the film. And they also blend in the original piano version of it, which I thought was really cool. And there are a few songs that are in there from the time period that I liked, um, you know, uh, at the beginning and some other stuff. So, but the, the night on bald mountain was the, was the big kicker for me that really jumped the score up.
2: All right. Venom Um, score. I mean, this score was average. It didn't do anything great for me, but it didn't necessarily take me out of it. Um, I gave it a five out of ten. I took some points away because I didn't like some of the licensed music that was in the movie. There was like a couple of like blues kind of songs that were playing that I didn't really dig on. And then there was like one or two pop songs, or at least they sounded like pop songs. That once again didn't really do a whole lot for me. So I just gave it an average score because I love the traditional Freddy soundtrack. Uh the score, excuse me. I, I love the the classic Freddy theme, but I feel like some of the licensed music that they used in this one just kind of brought the score down. So five out of ten for me.
3: The All Google right. dolls have three songs on the soundtrack. Oh, it's Goo Goo Dolls? Oh. That's that's probably Uh, the pop stuff uh, I was hearing. It's the Iggy Pop song at the end. Uh, The Why Was I Born is probably why I gave it. I like that song a lot. Oh,
0: All right. Scare Factor. Uh, I gave it a six because of uh, Real Life Freddy is super creepy. And uh, he's the only Scare Factor in this movie. Though I was scared at one point that it wouldn't end. (laughs) Uh, Jay. Uh, I gave it a seven.
3: Real life, Freddy, and again, I'm going to call back to that scene with the, uh, I don't know, I can't. It's so terrible. with name's I can't remember my name, but the blonde chick and her dad again, right up until they start kung fu fighting, is uh, really creepy and uncomfortable. Uh, so seven.
0: All right, Kenneth. Three.
1: <laughs> I gave it a three. Didn't he find loves loves that.
0: No, I, did, no, I re-
1: that was the only part of the movie that I really thought was creepy and scary. Was that? All
2: that right. I didn't
1: really think anything else.
2: I'm right there with Kenneth. I gave it a three. Um, it, it, the movie seemed to shoot itself in the foot at every opportunity. Um, the scene when the blonde girl is, uh, you know, sm- the the coffee pot kill. It's like th- that was a legitimate tense scene as she's smashing the coffee pot in his face. But then as soon as they show him, wow, that just looked like garbage. Absolute hot garbage. There wasn't even any blood. It was I'm, literally just so because it's a dream agreed. world.
1: Uh, I'm so glad you agree with me, dude. I, I mean, it, that, it, it looks legit like somebody put flesh-colored Play-Doh on its face. and Exactly.
4: Moved yep. I liked
2: it, it.
1: There's no effort at all. um, And, you know, uh,
2: nothing else in the film really scared me. I mean, the only – I think the most tense I felt was during the Carlos thing. Uh, and it was probably only because I grew up in a neighborhood that looked exactly like that. and That's I right. And I remembered hearing, like, you know, parents beating their kids. You know, because – Literally, you would have a window in front of your window, like a couple of feet, like the, the the next apartment building over would literally be like a couple of feet away. So it's the kind of thing where you can hear every argument, every, every, every couple having sex. I mean, literally everything. So it it's so until
1: it rem- the hot girl that that's five. around your age moves <laughs> into that window <laughs> two feet away and you're doing your best to crawl in that motherfucker without falling to your death four four, right. four flights down. <laughs> I got a question
0: for you. Do you happen to be into, like, BDSM now? Now? (laughs) Yeah, like, now. And you're, like, is that a kink that you're into? I can't say
2: that I am. I think you'd be
1: into voyeurism.
0: I wouldn't be totally against (laughs) it, that's you.
2: Yeah, so? (laughs) I'd like to think I'm still young enough that I'm open-minded to almost anything, but...
0: I just feel like maybe there's a chance that when you get lonely for your childhood, you put on Home Alone and jack off. Not to (laughs) the little kid, but to just... People in neighborhoods I'll getting it on the fucking mom's face. I'll go to town. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Fair um, enough. Wow. I, I'm sorry. I, I I tend to jack off to gremlins more than anything else. So. Sorry. Good uh, Phoebe
3: or whatever the fuck her name is. Yeah, her too.
2: Oh yeah. When she tells the story of her dad dying, oh, I I can't help myself.
0: <sighs> That's perfect. <laughs> you know, I I don't, I don't gremlins. dislike gremlins. Yes, you do. But I have n- I never have an urge to watch that movie whatsoever. Well, you don't like good movies. <laughs> that is not true. I love tons of great movies like eight well, millimeter. Is pretty close to an action movie though. So I, I guess it makes sense. You don't like it. <laughs> No, it's I know, but it's, a, it's a monster movie and I love monster sure, movies sure. but for some reason I just can't anyway, let's get on topic this is almost <laughs> three hours uh, entertainment uh, I gave it a 6 real life Freddy stuff is amazing would love to see a movie based on that but dream Freddy is still fucking awful but it was more entertaining to me than 4 or 5 Jay, Jay uh, I keep forgetting I'm second I don't have as much time to flip back to my scores
3: <laughs> entertainment <laughs> um, entertainment seven i gave it a seven um some of those jokes that hit and freddy sequence uh get all of those points
0: all right kenneth
1: which one are we on entertainment
0: entertainment
1: i put it at seven i mean it's still i mean even though i've got all the problems with it and stuff like that it's not the fact that it's not entertaining i mean it's still entertaining to watch it's just there's a lot of it that sucks (laughs) yeah venom
2: uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that there is nothing entertaining in here. Um, I, you know, we've already heard everything I've said about the different criteria. This movie just didn't hit for me on just about every aspect. But I will admit, Carlos's death scene. Even though I said it was a little long, I did enjoy the majority of it. Um, some of the dream sequence stuff I did enjoy, and even some of the final battle. Maybe you know, maybe not the explosion in question, but I mean, just you know. His daughter and Freddie fighting against each other was mildly entertaining to me. So five out of ten.
0: All right. We move on to rewatchability. And um now I when I'd watched this movie two weeks ago, I called Kenneth and I said I really enjoyed it. This might actually be my second favorite of the franchise. Rewatchability proved me to be a fucking liar. <laughs> uh I am at a five. Uh, uh... Man, I honestly just want to, like, edit together the flashback real-life Freddy, and that's it. I uh, would rather watch this than four or five. Hell, be flashback Freddy's so good, I'd probably watch this over fucking one or three. Not yeah, two, though, because two is still the best in the franchise, <laughs> uh, without a fucking doubt so far. Um, But yeah, f- rewatchability is a five. I, it's It's... Not It's not holding up, but I would rather watch it than most of the other movies in the franchise. Jay? Uh,
3: I gave it a 6. Um, I don't like Bugs Bunny Freddy. Um, this is... I actually should probably should have scored this way lower, um, but I guess that's my personal... It's it's my least favorite, and I would rather watch the remake, uh, New Nightmare, 2, 3, 4, 5 then then freddy's dead so i probably should have scored this lower but i gave it a six because that's how these things happen fair enough kenneth
1: i gave it a seven and i mean because it's not one of those that if i come across it on tv or something like that i'll probably leave it on and there are some times when i actually do get an urge to want to watch this movie so i gave it a seven venom
2: uh before i give my score kenneth I literally just now rewatched the ending explosion and I ignored the head and the evil sperm. And you're actually right. That does look pretty cool.
1: It does. Doesn't it? So, you can actually you can see like
2: a big chunk of his body hit the floor and shit. Exactly. A big piece of the torso. hit. Yeah, yeah that's that. No, um, thank you for saying that, because that makes me appreciate that scene a little bit more. But anyway, back to topic. <laughs> Rewatchability. i'm sorry but i gave this a three out of ten because i will never watch this movie again it is it is probably tied with five for my least favorite nightmare on elm street movies and honestly if it weren't for this show i still don't think i would have watched it so yeah i mean i i i, I only give it a three because there's probably like Still some other horror movies that I would watch less than this one. But those would have to be just ungodly awful. So I'll still give it a three just because it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. And even though I sit here and say I'll probably never watch it again. If it's for a podcast, I probably would sit through it. I'll bite the bullet and deal well, that's,
0: with it. That's good because I just messaged Merriman that y'all should do five and six together on an episode of uh, There's No More Room in Hell.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll make sure to quit the show now.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> pop culture. Uh, now, I had to take Kenneth's word for this, but I did do some research and I did do some digging. Um, so I, I ended up giving it a nine because his death was a pretty big thing. Like, people were talking about this. Uh, and I'm going to leave um, most of it up to, like, Kenneth to talk about. Uh, if, if, G, if Jay and... Venom don't cover it. Um, so I'm just at that. I'm gonna leave it at a nine. Jay, go ahead. Uh, I also gave it a nine.
3: His death was a huge thing. Um, I was not old enough to see R rated movies when this came out. I remember an older friend of mine going to see it and me asking about it and then me watching it when it came out on VHS probably or cable one of them two. Um, and then later watching it again on DVD with the 3d glasses um, but it was a huge thing. People were talking about it. Um, whether or not it was good was a different story. But I mean, they killed one of horror's biggest icons, and he didn't get resurrected until I don't know what the the year difference is, but I thought it was a, a decent amount of time, wasn't it?
0: Uh like four or five years, something like that.
3: Yeah, which is which is pretty decent when you're used to making a a. Uh,
1: what year did this movie come out? Ninety one. 91, Uh, part... Yeah, see, I would have been... Uh, new Nightmare uh, came out in 96.
3: Okay, yeah, so that's
1: five years. Five
3: years. I would have been... Shit, how old was I? I was <laughs> born in 84, so six years to get to 90. So I was seven years old when this came <laughs> out. <laughs> is that the new math? <laughs> that's, how, that's how my brain has always done math. I'm so terrible with math that I just... I, and yes, that would be a good example of of new math is just do the problem that you can do the easiest to get to the answer. Uh, so I that's, that. that's how my brain works. But yes, I was, so I was seven when this came out, which means, uh, I say, I can't even add seven, three, ten, two. So I was 12 when new nightmare came out. I remember renting that one too.
1: I actually uh, checked that back. I was wrong. It was
3: 1994. Oh, a little bit sooner.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay. So I was 10. I remember renting that though.
1: Yeah, but you got to think back then. Early. You got you got to think back then. It took a year for fucking VHSs to come out from rent.
3: Yeah, I was into horror early. I wonder if I could pinpoint my earliest. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going
0: off. Uh, I gave it a, a nine. <laughs> righty then, Kenneth.
1: Give it a ten. Because at the, at the, I mean, this was one of the biggest things in in the basically in the film industry at this current moment, because Freddy Krueger was huge at the time. And so when they came up with the idea of killing him off and that actually was part of the, that was part of the whole thing. It was a PR stunt. You know that they were going to they were going to go ahead and they were going to kill him off. But also they did this elaborate funeral um, actors from the previous movies came to Freddie's funeral and also that kind of shit. I mean, they had I mean, it was all over the the it was, uh, the the TV spots and shit like that. It was all over the fucking TV. You know that this was it. This was the final nightmare. Uh, Freddie was going to be dead you know, the whole nine, I remember seeing at the movie theater, man, fucking these giant goddamn things that had him in there where they talked about 3d and the glasses. I remember, uh, my cousin went and saw it and I rode with, uh, I rode with somebody to go pick up my cousin from going and seeing it. And I remember them having the 3d glasses and I wish that I had jacked a pair of them off of her and kept them. (laughs) Um, you know, but I mean, there was just, there was a lot of shit that surrounded this event. You know, the and and they were certain at that time period that it was going to be the last one, this was it, you know, the whole nine to like I said, the point of having a funeral in Hollywood for Freddie that was huge. You know, it was televised, they had all kinds of shit, you know. All right, so I had to give it a 10. Venom. Um, I completely agree that
2: this was a big deal when it first came out but at the same time a lot of the more grizzled horror fans knew that he would be back I mean we all know that money talks more than anything in Hollywood and if Freddy's Dead makes the money that they expect it to make we were eventually going to get another one um, at this point we had already lived through the whole final chapter debacle of Friday the 13th and you know everybody doing the exact same thing with Jason and saying oh he's." He's never gonna come back and blah 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 and then a year later he's well the fake jason's back and then two years later real jason is back um so i totally agree with everybody that this was a huge deal but i guess it's just the kind of thing where since i wasn't as big a nightmare fan i didn't really see as much of the um uh, the publicity stuff that was going on, or at least I wasn't really paying attention to it. I still gave the pop culture an eight out of 10 because it can't be denied that when this movie came out, it was a very big deal. I saw the displays that uh, Kenneth was talking about at the movie theater. And I think I think one of the theaters that I had actually had an inflatable Freddy, like a, like a 30-foot inflatable Freddy outside the theater, like above the marquee. That's what um, I'm saying, man. I mean, yeah. Was-
1: And the reason why I knew so much about it at the time is because, believe it or not, when I was a kid, and you may have heard this on earlier podcasts, I was terrified of Freddy Krueger when I was a kid. (laughs) You know, I mean, he was the villain. You know, I think I think every horror fan that's out there has one that they actually were afraid of when they were a kid. I think that's I think that's one of the things that actually kind of breeds horror fans is we had one thing that we were afraid of when we was a kid. And 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 Freddy Krueger was mine to the point of where I couldn't look at other things in movies where people were burned. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it 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 really fucked with me. And so I remember this because this was a time period as a kid where Freddie Krueger was fucking everywhere. Ev- literally, everywhere. You know, it's not like it's not like it was when I went into you know and you go into the store and you see the merch or something like that or any of the rest of that or or you go out on halloween and you see the plastic gloves and stuff like that no this was literally you could not turn on the tv without seeing a fucking advertisement for freddy's dead or you couldn't go somewhere without seeing some kind of cutout or something like that for freddy's dead you know this was one of those time periods where when you actually went into walmart before there were super walmarts you know you could go into walmart and they actually had cutouts of freddy krueger when the movie was going to come out on VHS later on. I mean, this wave from Freddy's dead ran uh, uh, until it was in Blockbuster and shit like that. I mean, it was just, it was fucking huge. And I remember it because it was almost like a fucking psychological uh, traumatization at the time, if that makes sense. Because he was, it was everywhere I went, I looked and I was like, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, Freddy (laughs) Krueger. I totally agree. Yeah.
0: All right, well, that wraps up uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And the scores are, uh, I gave it a 97, Kenneth gave it a 105, Jay gave it a 107, and Venom gave it a 68, meaning uh, (laughs) Venom uh, gave it the lowest score which he also had the lowest score for Friday. Yes, sir. Man, you just hate and movies. Jay <laughs> gave it the highest score, and Jay also gave the highest score for Friday. Mm, so that's take that. It's very interesting. Me and Kenneth uh, stayed completely in the middle for this game. I think
2: I I think i sometimes overcompensate because I don't want to come off as too biased because I'm I'm very obviously Friday the 13th biased. I'm always gonna score that a little bit higher, but I I I tried to be really, really um objective on this on these rewatches. And, you know, that that's why, you know, I had the lowest. Shockingly, I had the lowest score on Friday because I would have guessed I would have had the highest one for as much as I love that movie. Um, it's not a surprise that I have the lowest score for um, for Freddy's Dead. But, you know, having the lowest score for both of them, I just I, like I said, I think it's just that I'm a little bit maybe a little bit too overly judgmental. And I also just don't want to come off like a fanboy either. So, you know, yeah. it, it's the balance
0: between the two. It's fine. I gave Nightmare Five a fifty-two, so.
1: Whew. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for me on the next show that we do because, like I said, those are my uh, so new Nightmare and Friday Seven are my two favorites in both in both franchises. Then yeah, so. we never get to
3: talk about Friday Eight. What? Then we never get to talk about Friday Eight.
0: No, uh. we never get to talk about Friday Nine. We will talk about Friday Eight.
3: But yeah. the next ones are sevens, and then we're out of Nightmare movies.
0: Well, you still got to chase it in a Freddy. Well, no, no, no. We're doing, okay. So for I'm going to give a little update on uh, what's coming up for Kill the Cast. I did a live video of it where I kind of talked about it. But real quickly, uh, this is what the lineup looks like. You've got this episode that drops in early December. Uh, the next episode that will drop in December will be uh, Halloween for Christmas, where we are tackling four Halloween cartoon specials. Uh, including Bugs Bunny Halloween special, uh, Garfield Halloween adventure, (coughs) uh, Scooby-Doo, the Headless Horseman of Halloween, and The Simpsons, uh, the first Treehouse of Horror episode, which is like Season 2, Episode 3, or Episode 4, some shit like that. Yeah, Simpsons. Um, Yeah. January, we will have Horror Coliseum 7, which will be, of course... The New Blood versus A New Nightmare featuring Brandon Orlick of Exploding Heads. Uh, then we will have a New Me uh, our New Year Old Me episode where we're just going to talk about some of our influences growing up uh, between movies, comic books, music, stuff like that. It's more of a just a get-to-know-us episode for fun because we like to do shit like that. Um, February, we will do uh, Horror Coliseum remakes where we will have the Friday the 13th remake versus nightmare on Elm street remake, which will feature JP of 22 shots. Oh then, shit. <laughs> uh, because it is February, we have to do a universal classic movie to, uh, see how Jay is going to fare up against another one. And we will be doing the invisible man. Nice. Um, after that, as we get into March, we will be doing a, uh, Last bonus horror coliseum episode where we're taking out Friday Nine. Everyone hates Friday Nine. Fuck that movie. Jason can go to hell as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But after that, I want I wanted to know what gets a better rating: Jason takes Manhattan or Jason goes to space? Oh, I love so, to space. Yeah. We're going to do a horror coliseum. With Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason X. And we will be having uh, Mr. Watson from Horror Corridor (laughs) on to do that with us. You did tell me that the other day. I did. (laughs) Um, And then after that, I don't know what we're doing. I've only got planned up till then. Um, And of of course, in January, we will be coming back with Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space with uh, Mr. Venom. I kind of, uh, just didn't want to do one for December because I've been in the hospital. Venom's been in the hospital. Uh, I, and it's more me. I'll be honest with y'all. It's more just me. I just don't, I don't have the time. I don't have, uh, the fucking health to even do it right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, I, I told all my co-hosts, uh, I was more than willing to podcast from the hospital.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, oh. um, I would. But that's because they won't give me a pillow, and I can't podcast without a pillow. Oh. Uh, so that's what's coming up on Kill the Cast. But Venom, why don't you tell us what's what's coming up for your uh, Seventeen podcast?
2: Well, unfortunately, a couple of my podcasts are on <laughs> kind of uh... – unforeseen hiatuses so um the horror cast uh we just recorded our 50th episode episode 50 for the horror cast is uh basically we did the top 50 scariest horror movie scenes not whole movies just individual scenes um and that that turned out to be a great little episode not too long at all considering it's a top 50 so um that should be currently available on itunes um, and then a couple of my other podcasts, unfortunately, um, that's Rad Radio, the all 80s podcast and Beneath the Zenith are both on hiatus right now due to scheduling issues. Just, the, you know, the other co-hosts have started a,
0: started new podcast and did those. <laughs> well, instead. one of them. Yeah. One
2: one podcast returned. That was a little bit of a surprise that kind of put a damper on beneath the Zenith and then with rad radio, it's just getting all those guys together. Cause then, you know, me and Mike Merriman started no room in hell, um, which is yet another podcast I'm on. That is of course, no room in hell with Mike Merriman. Uh, Corey Graham is also on that with us where we just discuss, you know, random horror topics along with one or two horror features. Um, Of course, Jerry already mentioned Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, which will be back in January. And and then we also have the sister podcast for No More Room in Hell, which is No More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts, um, that basically replaces the old Evil episodes. Presents just the movies podcast, where basically uh, Mike Merriam and myself and at least one other special guest host will go either to a theater to go see a new movie, or we'll try to pick out like one of the newest things available on VOD or streaming, and we just discuss that one movie. So that's usually a pretty quick, like you know, 30 to 60 minute episodes um and we will be recording an episode this week for the recently released uh the possession of hannah grace that just came out in theaters this past friday um we should be recording that sometime early this week and it'll be out probably a day or two after that
3: recommend the movie uh, no, I would not. Uh, okay. I might go see it anyway. <laughs> I, I don't recommend the AMC, movie, but I recommend the podcast. I recommend the podcast. <laughs> I have AMCA list and I usually go see a movie on Monday and I was thinking about seeing that one. Oh, I mean it, it's not like a complete
2: waste of time by any stretch. I mean there'll be you'll be able to pull out positives out of it. It's not like a complete, you know, dumpster. It's bucket.
3: better than watching a nightmare.
2: Since when on is pulling six? out a positive?
3: <laughs> 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 well, you could be HIV positive. I need meal.
0: What? <laughs> Wait a second. Did you just say something in Spanish yet you give me shit if I pronounce your last name with a Spanish twang? No, no. I don't care if you spe-
2: if you pronounce my last name with a Spanish twang. I am Spanish, but don't spell my last name with a Z because I'm not fucking Mexican. Oh, <laughs> nice. To be fair, I'm white, so it's all the same to me. Yeah, and, and honestly, most people will spell it with a Z. There's actually three different ways to spell it. Uh, one the Italian way, one the Spanish way, one the Mexican way, so whatever. It's a story for another
0: podcast. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, well, uh, I can't wait for some more podcasts from you. I actually really hope Beneath the Zenith comes back, because one, I, I love cryptozoology, I love conspiracy theories, uh, I love all that that just kind of weird shit, and uh, in a sea of podcasts of horror movies, it was nice to be like, "Oh, my buddies from a horror podcast are doing something uh, a little bit different." I'm sure there's people that like felt the same way when we all got together to do underwater kaiju from outer space, or uh, Jerry hates action, where they were like, "Oh, you know, people I love from horror podcasts are doing something different." That's that's a great change of pace. Let me let me go try that. So I hope beneath the zenith uh, does come back.
2: Absolutely, man. Um, I'm right there with you. Fingers crossed that, uh, you know, the the four of us can still get together because, you know, like I said, their show returns. So and, and obviously two of them are on the Horror Mafia, which do weekly podcasts. So, you know, I understand they're busy. They've got families. They've got kids, blah, blah, blah. Life happens. But I'm right there with you. Fingers crossed that we can get together for Beneath the Zenith because uh, our third episode was supposed to be the Jersey Devil. And I had done all this great research. I was really excited to get into it.
0: Oh my god! I hope if you if you haven't read into it, there's a thing with the Jersey Devil that involves Ben Franklin. Yes, yeah, I did find that. Okay. In my Okay, okay, I won't <laughs> say anymore. Yeah, but yeah, if you kite, got, and that's how if you if you got that far in your research, then that's gonna be a great episode because you did your fucking research. Exactly. Don't ever fuck with Ben Franklin and his almanac because <laughs> he will fucking turn your Uh, astrology-believing ass into a fucking devil. It is (laughs) hilarious. Um, But with that being said, guys, we are going to get the fuck out of here. Thank you for uh, joining us for Horror Coliseum Episode 6, Freddy vs. Jason. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you agreed with me. I don't really care if you agreed with anyone else. uh, (laughs) As long as you agree with me and know that I'm right. uh, Because I have an ego, which is why I host a podcast. Um... Other than that, thank you. Have a good day. Have a good night. Uh, Please, whatever you do, um, don't watch uh, Nightmare 5. I know we're (laughs) past that, but I feel like it's a good warning at this point. It's (laughs) It's a terrible warning at the end of the episode. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just saying don't watch Nightmare 5. There's so many better things you could do with your time than watch Nightmare 5 for like, fuck's sake masturbate um, with sandpaper masturbate with sandpaper <laughs> uh watch titanic oh god while high off peyote Hey, kate wins with are in it so that's a very valid point see way better than uh nightmare five <laughs> i don't know i really like pencil skirts oh jesus <laughs> okay we're out of here thank you guys <laughs> we will see you uh for christmas Yay, Christmas.